Hello and welcome to the Nashy Cast, episode 14, actually, of the Nashy Cast. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we're here for episode 14, Hunchback of the Morgue. Yep. Oh, we've been we've been putting this one off for no good reason other than well, you know the way you'll you'll deny yourself a, a really great piece of candy. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the anticipation is even is oh, even more yeah. as, as sweet as that. Yeah, yeah. This is one we knew was going to be a, a fun one to do. Fun one to oh, do. And we, fun in the good sense, not. To, oh, we look. We I, we've looked forward to doing this episode for a long time because yeah. we both we both love this movie. Not to spoil anything. <laughs> But uh, Hunchback of the Morgue is probably one of my uh, my top five favorite mm-hmm. Nashy mm-hmm. films. Probably, mm-hmm. actually, I'd say might be top three. Mm-hmm. So I think you're gonna. I think to a degree you can tell which way this one's gonna jump. We are here to do Hunchback of the Morgue, and um, luckily this is one that's fairly easy to come by. There's been a mm-hmm. uh, there's been a domestic uh, a region one mm-hmm. DVD of it released. Although I will bitch about that DVD for yeah. the entire remainder of this episode, so prepare yeah. yourself for that. Yeah, it's a little bit of a disappointment. <laughs> to yeah, say the it's least. Um, well. Let's let's. I tell you what. Let's let's diffuse my bitching about it mm. by talking a little bit about that DVD right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the release history of this is in the rest of the world. Right. I'm not sure what kinds of. Uh, well, no, that's not true. The Anolis DVD, the German DVD. Mm-hmm which came out several years ago, is in general regarded as probably the best DVD of Hunchback of the Morgue. And I'd love to get my, I'd love to eventually get my hands on it, but it's obscenely expensive. It's out of print. It has a commentary track uh, with Nashi himself yeah. going through it. And luckily... Actually doing his commentary in German, too. Which I know, which was, cool, which very, was very cool. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and luckily the DVD um, has that commentary subtitled in English. And mm-hmm. so a friend of the show... Yes. And we thank you very much. Yes, very much. Uh, had, had gifted us several months ago with a uh, a copy of just that commentary track, so that we can uh, mm-hmm. we we've had the opportunity to see that commentary track and go through the film with Nashi himself, which is great because he, even though the movie at that point was thirty years old, he does fill in some very interesting information about the production and about mm-hmm. where they shot things and. Mm-hmm. And some of the ideas that he had and where he got them, some of which really surprised me. I know, me too. Neat stuff. The best version of it is probably that out-of-print German DVD. The thing is, I, I think everybody, all, all Nashy fans in the States were really excited when we found out Hunchback was coming out on DVD here. Mm-hmm. Because they, you know, they it's going to be widescreen and might have some extras and this kind of thing. And what we were really hoping for was like maybe a port of the Anolis disc. It's yeah, like, oh, if, right. it could be, if it could be that good. Yeah. yeah. Well, what we got, unfortunately, was yet another disappointing DVD release from Maya Communications. People, I don't like to badmouth DVD companies in general, especially when they seem to be devoted to putting out mm. Eurocult stuff, mm. Euro horror and Euro trash of all types. Hey, man, that's great. Yeah, I know, I know. We don't want to seem like we're, you know, because obviously. You know, yeah. I mean, it's you know. I want hey, to have more. You want to say like, hey, it's a you know, hey, it's a Paul Nashy film on DVD. But I think that you know the bar was raised by BCI Eclipse and some of yeah. the beautiful things that they did. And so now it's we're less forgiving of of the people that don't uh, don't really go all out or do you know. I'll put I'll put it this way. I have three or four. I think I know I can name three specifically, and I think there may be a fourth one of Maya's DVDs. Mm. And to one degree or another, they all suck. Mm. And it's all presentation of the film. It is all the movie simply looking like shit, yeah. to put it bluntly. I'm glad to see the films. Right. 
I'm glad to have the opportunity to see the films in a, in a, in I get a halfway decent format, but mm. I, can, I can't even stretch it that far. Let me give you a for instance. Always excited to see any film with Klaus Kinski, yeah. no matter how small his role. Yeah. So when the film when uh, Maya released um, a DVD of a film called Evil Face, actually it has many different titles, mm. but um, saw that was very excited. Got my hands on it. Well, first of all, it does look like crap. Mm-hmm. It looks like a, 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 a. It looks like somebody poured it over a bad VHS tape. Oh man! Which yeah. that's not the biggest complaint I have because I was glad to see the film. Yeah. The biggest complaint with that film is that the subtitles, the yeah. English subtitles, suck. Oh man, really? I mean, oh no, that's always awful. Oh, they're man. awful. I mean, it it it's as bad. It's as bad as the um, the the old English. Subtitles that you would get your hands that you would get with Hong Kong films. Some of those like we used to get from uh, yeah from Video Search of Miami or something. Some yeah, of those, like yeah. really like badly translated. Oh yeah, what, what they refer to as English. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. They that were that they're that oh, they were no. that bad and not and worse. They were so bad that literally there was every other line bare minimum of the subtitling was so off that you had to honestly stop and mentally calculate what the line probably was <laughs> oh, no. supposed to be. Oh, no. That's how bad this shit is. <laughs> so Maya has not got what I would refer to as a good track record. They seem to be able to they seem to be want the release mm-hmm. things I want. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just frustrating that they yeah. can't seem to get the quality level higher than, you know, baseline crap. Yeah. It and it bugs the hell out of me. I, I shouldn't complain too much. At least the hunchback of the morgue disc is actually anamorphic, sixteen by nine yeah. widescreen, but my god. <laughs> the film it looks like a bad pal to NTSC master. I'm no I'm no expert on this subject, but it, it looks awful because the image moves too quickly mm-hmm. and it makes it look slightly cartoonish at times. Yeah. yeah. There's 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 digital smearing. Yeah, there's, art, there's artifacting. The blacks yeah. aren't very black at all. They didn't. They don't seem to have taken their time remastering the image in any way, shape, or form. It just looks mediocre. It's a frustrating disc. It's still a good way to see the movie if you don't have any other yeah. way to see the movie. And there are a couple of extras on the disc. Mm-hmm. One yeah, of which nice. there's the trailer and there are some stills and images yeah, from stuff. I mean, or, or promote, yeah, publicity Promo- materials, promotion, yeah. promotional stuff. And that's really nice. Yeah, that's good. That's worth that. seeing. Yeah. But overall, I can only give that disc a marginal thumbs up because what the hell is your other option? Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, other than the. Uh, other than the obviously the translations into different languages of the actual title, I, I don't know of any actual retitlings of this film. Do you? No, you I don't. Not, I, I don't, don't know. Yeah, it seems mm-hmm. like uh, seems like most every country heard Hunchback of the Morgue. That's exploitable. Let's use it. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> nobody felt uh, the need to retitle. Well, what was it? Uh, what was it you once referred to? Um, Horror rises from the tomb as being. There aren't really any other alternate <laughs> titles kind of, for that because it's like, what the hell else are you going to call it? That's better than Horror Rises. I, from I the know tomb. it's just some titles are just perfect. There's not really much more of a way to pull in pull in the crowd than just lay it out there. You know, <laughs> this is what it is. You know, it's like, huh? That's a home run title. Well, yeah. let's go with that. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know of any alternate titles for it at all. I know it's like what are you going to call it? Goto gets around. Let's call it that instead. You know, it's like that's the, hun- it, the yeah. Hunchback gets laid. Yeah, that could be like the comedy version. There you go. Oh yeah, this is a yeah, boy. This is a real comedy, all right. A very happy movie, you know. Really, uh, real, well, real they're, uplifting. Uh, um, the, the, this is this is it's it, it's a great little movie. It, there are a couple of spots where I'm going to go. Hey, this oh, is yeah. a, this is a this is a weird little thing. Oh, yeah, what the hell too. was this? As a matter of fact, but, why don't we uh, start with the theme music, the opening theme music, which 
Well, hold on. Let's uh, let's take a break and let everybody take a listen okay. to. Uh, uh, by the way, remember you can. Uh, oh, we forgot to mention. Oh we, yes, we yes. are we are up for a rondo for best horror mm-hmm. audio. We've already launched. I know this is. I mean, this is you know here. It's like if you thought you thought the Academy Awards were the important Oscars this, this week, the important <laughs> no, no, awards no. these week. Actually, there's an no, even more important no. award waiting out there. We are uh, we are nominated for Best Horror Audio, along with a number of other really good podcasts. Uh, podcasts that are actually weekly. God save them. Mail or Zombies, great B movie cast. Dead Pit, Remorque Radio, which has won for the past few years. Next year, they better have a Horror Rises from Spain in that category. I hadn't really thought about that, but that's um, is any of the stuff from Cult Radio a Go Go nominated? I don't know, but knowing how Cult Radio doesn't like for one thing doesn't archive, they don't make it necessarily oh, all that yeah. easy to hear. So that could be one problem working against it. But anyway, we're that pull- probably is working. We're pulling for you, Elena. We hope next year that you're you're up there for award, that's true. That's, that's a great true. show. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the Rondo Awards, people, uh, it's definitely something, whether you vote for us or not, you definitely should go in and vote if you're a classic horror fan. Definitely go vote for the Rondos. You don't have to vote for every category. You only have to vote for the things that you feel confident that you have knowledge of. So, uh, you don't have to vote in every category. Of course, some things are pretty obvious. I mean, you can go look at the great cover art for magazines yeah. that have been done. And, man, I mean... Yeah, but I was about to say, choosing between those choosing is tough, man. It's just some amazing wow. work being done out there. There really is. When I look at that, and then I look at the ones that get nominated, and then other people are going, oh, wow, I wish this one had gotten nominated. And then you look at that cover that people are going, yeah. oh, it's a shame that one didn't get nominated. You go, oh, my God, yeah. that one's good, too. And it's, I know. Uh, great stuff. Yeah, there's, some, there's a lot of great work in the field of, of classic horror and just horror in general that's being done. And uh, if nothing else, that ballot is such a great checklist for things that you may or may not yeah, know exist. it always helps with me. I always see things that I didn't know about that it makes me want to seek out, you know, articles and all sorts of books that oh, came yeah. out that I didn't know about. But Oh, uh, I know. It's, it's it's horrible for my freaking Amazon wish list, man. Because <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I mean, it adds five to six things to my, my wish list every year because, oh, wow, I didn't know that book was out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, well. But uh, go vote for the Rondos. You don't have to vote for us. We love your vote. But you don't have to vote for us. Just go take a look at the ballot. Because if you're a horror fan, if you're listening to this show, Mm -hmm. trust me, there's things in there that Mm -hmm. you're going to find interesting. Yep. Also, remember, you can get hold of us at... Nashycast at gmail.com. Oh, I love that. It's like I can can just point to you and it's like pushing a button. It's good. (laughs) Nashycast at gmail.com. Give us a call. Well, not give us a call. Drop us a line. Mm -hmm. It feels like a cliche. Every everything I say. You know, you can point to me because I'm your human seaborg. <laughs> I'm your human seaborg, and yeah, anyway. <laughs> my human zebra seaborg. My human zebra seaborg. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, oh, if you, Lord. If you, if you, if you didn't hear our last episode, you were saying, yeah. "What are these guys? What are on? they talking about? What have they been ingesting before they started to do this uh, podcast?" Well, well what kills me is now. Now I have this image of you in like a in like a black and white striped refs uniform. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 waiting to throw the yellow flag down <laughs> on a bad scene in Fury of the Wolf, man. Oh, man. Okay, what the hell did that plant thing mean? We'll be back in just a moment and, and we'll, we'll get to our yes. discussion of Hunchback of the Morgue.
All right, this film starts off with the credits playing over, um, well, what's, you know, uh, basically a countryside. It's, mm-hmm. It very slowly pans mm-hmm. repeatedly over uh, countryside, which is supposed to be the German countryside, but uh, mm-hmm. it's actually uh, <laughs> actually ca- uh, Catalonia, uh, Catalonia Mountains yeah. in, uh, in Spain. Right. Uh, and into a, a small town, a small German town, I'm doing the air quotes, okay. uh, which is also, of course, a, actually a Spanish town. Uh, supposed to be Bavarian B- Bavarian town, and it really does kind of look, yeah, very much like it's oh, I a think German so. well, town. Oh, I could very, oh, yeah, it's perfectly convincing for uh, for that. I think over the over the opening credits, uh, <laughs> the music we should we should address this yes. up right. Yeah, we got to right. start off with this this music here. Uh, it's Oompa you, music, man. It's it's yeah. Oh, I, listen, I I found it to be insidiously catchy. Uh, it's, it is. It, it, it gets in your head for. Hours and hours after you hear it, it's like it's it's uh, it, if I had a pair of lederhosen somewhere, I probably would have would have had to have donned them. But it's just I mean it's but it's just yeah it's just for hours afterwards you're just like bum, 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 bum. Well, <laughs> let's, let, well, this is what kills me is uh, it, it's way too upbeat and happy an intro tune to something called Hunchback of the Morning. It definitely does not set the the mood for what is to to come. I can now the interesting thing about it and we'll 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 get to a little bit more it's it's definitely not accidentally chosen. Um I think no. my my the other theme there's another theme in the film that's really really nice uh for for lack of better I just call it Ilsa's theme because it kind of mostly plays over Goto's It is kind of mood. sad and haunting and that's the central sad it, and haunting image of the film. Cuz so. when I because knowing what we've been through with some of these other films, when I first heard this theme music, I thought, oh, please tell me that's not going to start playing every time something dramatic or something <laughs> melancholy is going to just suddenly jump into that theme. Yeah. Actually, it's the only time, well, technically, it's the only time we hear it in this version, uh, but uh, but it's, it's anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll go on and, and start setting the, setting the scenes okay. here. But it's, uh, but yeah, I agree with you, you know, it definitely is just, uh, it definitely does not set the, the tone for the film. And I guess in some ways they were just trying to really get across the point that this is Germany you're in here and it's know. true and they kind of it's kind of like hey, here we yeah. go this is where we are <laughs> even though throughout the film they do actually do an on-screen indicator of where you are they give you the name of the town yeah they really do which is something and, yeah and the name of this hospital and, and, and the yeah, name of the reform, that was actually kind of cool you know that was which kind of, I like I but at the too. same time it's like you know they yeah. could have done something a bit more moody with the music mm. and just gone okay yeah. You know, help play Wagner or something, you know, anything, just play, yeah. know. but it, it it's not detrimental, but it is it does get the film off to a very bizarre start. Yeah, we uh, see the the hunchback. Yes, yeah, first person, first first person we're introduced Goto. to. He is it's it's night, and he is walking through the uh, pretty much deserted uh, village streets. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't yet don't yet know his name. He goes up and is peering into the window of a local tavern. Mm-hmm. And uh, in his commentary track, uh, I think Nashi again mentioned that this place was kind of set. Even though it was not in Germany, this tavern was actually modeled to be to look like a German tavern, and so yeah. it actually just fit perfectly for what they needed. You know, yeah, the tavern itself, the interior of the tavern where they shot the interiors was actually in Madrid, right? And it was a tavern that uh, mm-hmm. that catered to the uh, to German, German population population yeah. mm-hmm. in Madrid. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it very much they didn't do anything to the interior; they just shot there because, mm-hmm. well, you know, it fit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what he what he's looking in the tavern to see is. Uh, Young student Udo is there uh, drinking and talking with a couple of the barmaids, and he gets challenged by another student to mm-hmm. a drinking contest. And what what I, for, when you first see this film, what I thought we were going to have some kind of some kind of variation on the the whole drinking a yard of beer thing yeah. from like if you've ever seen uh, the Hammer film <laughs> right. Dracula Prince of Darkness, Darkness right? Yeah. There's a scene right at the beginning of that film where you're introduced to that idea. Not that in my drinking 
I've not been introduced to that idea. Well, before, and I think they also but... do it in Dracula's Risen from the Grave too. And all. Well, it's a different one. That was the one where they have to balance. Oh, they yeah, have to balance something on their no- they drink, but they have to balance something, balance on, their something forehead, on their forehead, on their nose, or something. That's like I can't a hat remember, or something. but it's something. It's a, it is something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, it's a... a lot of lot of drinking in those Hammer Dracula films. Now that I think, <laughs> I hadn't really put two and two together on that. I think I, I was too busy looking at the cleavage to notice before, but uh, you're right. There's, you know. <laughs> well, there's lots of cleavage on view in this one too. Well, he gets involved in this uh, this this amusing little uh, good natured drinking contest using the. Biggest frigging, oh, oh my God, these beer glasses, people. Dude, if those things <laughs> held less than two liters each, then I am no judge of fluid ounces, okay? Oh, yeah. That is a freaking hell of a lot of beer. I think, and I, think I lost some brain cells just looking at those glasses. <laughs> Holy crap. Well, what kills me is, okay, he does manage... By the time he's finished one of them, he's won the contest. Right. The other guy's, the other guy's already He's gone. He's, he's, yeah. yeah. But he drinks a second one. <laughs> and so the Spills next... half of it all over his... Well, I know. It spills half of oh, it still. I, I want to point out right quick, just getting back to what I was going to say about the opening theme song, is one thing I think that is really neat here and is that the guy that's playing the accordion entertaining people in the, the tavern... He's playing that too. Well, he doesn't start... He's not at first, but then remember Udo basically berates him for not play, for playing the same thing over and over and says like drunkenly says like don't you know anything else then he kicks then into he kicks into an accordion version yeah. of the theme song we've just heard which once again shows that the choice of that theme song was not just completely random however maybe ultimately inappropriate it might be it actually was well <laughs> thought out but it's kind of a neat I thought that he started playing the theme song you've just heard but but anyway yeah Udo okay so, so like, Udo, Udo he's yeah. obviously drunk out of his mind because he just drank you know an entire <laughs> keg of beer essentially yeah. <laughs> stumbles out into the night to go home uh, thank God he's not driving because he couldn't man. even. I, he probably shoved the key into his own eye. Uh, he is not well. He's no. stumbling down the street, and Goto, our hunchback, mm-hmm. is following along behind him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Udo starts berating Goto for following him, and he drops a, a picture of his girlfriend Ilsa on the ground, mm-hmm. and then. He accuses Goto of, what are you trying to do, rob me? And he's just being a jerk in general. And then he kills over in the street and freaking dies. And I, I can I, I know I'm saying, like, what, did he die of, like, I guess we're supposed to assume ex- alcohol poisoning, yeah. although it could have just been from excessive boorishness, you know, maybe. <laughs> he, just, he, he died of assholery. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's yeah, people, yeah. that's alcohol poisoning yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, I think he killed himself. Uh, yeah. Oh Lord! I mean, it's 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 amusing, mm-hmm. but <laughs> this shit yeah. happens. So yeah. it, it actually to me, you know, this scene is is really really dark. Um, you know, hard to uh, and I don't. I'm sure this video, this DVD release didn't help, but it took me actually a couple of viewings to realize that that Goto had tried to give him had actually seen he had dropped the photo and was trying to give it back to him. You know, yeah. and and, and uh, uh, after he had, after he had dropped it, but uh, but yeah, so he's he's uh, he's dead and. Uh, uh, and and we yeah. don't get the impression he'll be sorely missed. <laughs> well, At least yeah, not by now, Goto. But now the, he will be missed by somebody else. But. The, the this is when we learn that Goto works in the local morgue of the local hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Udo's body is brought in the next day for his for his tender menstruations, Goto takes great joy oh, yeah. in ta- you know talking to the corpse and mm-hmm. cutting it up. Yeah, it's almost like this is his form of vengeance on this oh, guy yeah. for being such a jerk to him. And he's he's carving the body up because the body's going to be used by yeah. you know by the students yeah. uh, as part of you know the the classroom processes of this being yeah. a teaching hospital. Yeah. 
some wonderful, uh, wonderful dialogue in this scene. Uh, Lover Goto like tells him, "You've lost the olive complexion the girls liked so much." <laughs> oh, I know. He's really. And mean, said, mean and vicious. He says, now you'll be a pile of meat in the hands of the bungling students. <laughs> That's just a great, <laughs> great line. <laughs> oh, man. Now, I'd, I'd, you're, you're absolutely correct. But what I love is that the, the student, mm. the student uh, helpers who come to get the, the, the bodies mm. and the mm. pieces from Goto, they, they, they're as much jerks to him as, what, as, as everybody's a jerk. The, the vehemence guy. with which people just just lay into Goto uh, verbally uh, is just uh, just they call truly, him all kinds of oh names. my gosh! It's like just yeah, some truly uh, uh, obviously you know there's no no rules against hate speech in this in this town because because <laughs> they just uh, they just lay on, lay on. The, the most common thing is gorilla. You know he's completely he's, he's, oh, he's completely he's, he's completely yeah. compared to to uh, to an ape uh, to a gorilla. So. Well, um, yeah. So these doctors this, are like, yeah. These doctors basically, yeah, tell him to get out of there as he's, you know, wheeling, wheeling the parts of Udo in there. Goto goes to visit Udo's girlfriend Ilsa, who's mm-hmm. in the hospital. Uh, we meet her, her doctor, who will become a big part of the film as it goes on. Mm-hmm. And he and the doctor and a nurse are discussing are discussing Ilsa's illness, mm-hmm. and it's very clear that uh, that they, they're flat out honest about the fact that she's not got right. much longer to live she obviously has some kind of lung disease they never specify what the disease is right but i, I, I assume it's some kind of it looks like as as i'm a, you know my favorite phrase as uh, she's she's di- she's a uh, dying of the consumption or down with the consumption <laughs> down you with know? The consumption, so that's yeah. kind of what i'm thinking maybe something like a tuberculosis kind of thing probably so he mentions my... her lungs almost being completely gone and yeah and and her her paleness and her lack mm-hmm. of energy all of mm-hmm. that seems to add up to probably tuberculosis mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is uh, his. Uh, his name is Frederick uh, Talkner. Yeah, this is Doctor Talkner. Goto goes to her and comforts her as best he can. She she does not treat him poorly at all. As a matter no. of fact, she's very friendly toward him. And yeah. we we find out later on mm-hmm. that uh, they were childhood friends and kind of grew up together. And he it's very obvious in this scene from everything you can see in this scene that Goto really loves this girl a mm-hmm. lot, mm-hmm. very much cares for her, and obviously. If you think about it, every interaction we've seen with Goto at, up to this point, this is the only good interaction he's had. So yeah. the fact that he would care deeply about this person, if for no, it's clear even if there was no other reason, it's because she actually treats him like a human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She acknowledges him, talks to him. She doesn't talk down to him even when he says something that's you know a little childlike or... or, yeah. or Self-deprecating. And- yeah. So... Um, I think it really is a neat to say something about his character. I think it's really nice the uh, part of this scene where uh, when she's asking about she's upset over Udo's death and and Goto tell her, tells her that Udo's last thoughts were of her. It's neat it, as much as he hated Udo and his we've just seen him gloating over Udo's body. He doesn't take this as an advantage to because he knows ultimately it yeah. shows that ultimately he wants he's more it's more important to him that she feel she be comforted and so yeah. he actually says nice things about Udo that aren't true. You know. Well so. now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're you probably right. You're like, probably right it. that it's not true, but at the same time, as we learn how simple-minded Goto is throughout the film, mm. my thought mm. might be that he's connecting the dropping of that photo. Yeah, or, that he did. He kept her picture. That he was carrying her picture. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, the, and the fact that he was looking at it, and that's what, and, mm. he, and that's why he dropped it. So, mm. you know, to his mind, he probably yeah. was yeah. thinking yeah. of. I see your point. So, yeah. That's, yeah. But Goto comforts her as best he can. Should point out, by the way, that we learned from Nashi in his commentary track from the from the Anolis case, uh, from the Anolis DVD, mm-hmm. that he was as sick as a dog when they shot mm-hmm. this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a he had a really high fever. Yeah, I heard him right. And um, 
You, you, you can't tell in his performance. No. Although I will say that his... As soon as he said that, I, I kept looking at him and looking at him, and then I was looking at him in the next few scenes, and he's paler in the oh, scenes really? following yeah. than he is in yeah. this scene. His skin is a little darker, and I wonder if maybe he really, that the fever he was running wasn't showing a little bit in that scene, <laughs> yeah, because it was. He, 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 there's a different tint to his skin, but uh, he was apparently not feeling particularly well, which really just adds to me being even more impressed oh, with yeah. his performance in the scene, yeah. because... Throughout this, there's very few times in his performance throughout the entire movie where I feel like he's um, mm-hmm. he's being yeah. he's being a little too over the top with his emotion with his emotions or he's being too melodramatic. Right. There are a couple of points where I think the director undercuts him almost by accident with framing, mm-hmm. but not. Uh, I never feel that his performance is anything less than damned good and. Mm-hmm. Of course, he won some awards for this performance, well, so that adds up. It's but. I love the here's something we can go and bring up now is I love the physic the physicality of his performance is fantastic. I mean the way he yeah. his legs, the way he bows his legs, and the the way I mean it's just a complete the, the, the constant crouch and the. Here was one thing I was really interested in. I would love to have known, and I you know I, I he now I've never seen him address an imprint or in his autumn uh, his commentary track. We know that Nashi had no aversion to and actually had an admiration for. Um, very well done makeup and stuff. I thought it was really interesting, particularly in the fact that people constantly comment in this film about how ugly he is, that really he uses no real makeup on his face at all, nothing excessive, you know, unlike Lon Chaney did, unlike Charles Lawton did, you know, there was always something more that they put to disfigure their face. Yeah. And that he actually leaves his face, you know, of course what he does with his face, you know, his expressions, you know, add a lot to it, but he's got a wig and he's got, you know, the hump and everything, but but not really, uh, doesn't really disfigure his face, which I thought was an interesting choice, you know, and, and, and probably Please. the right one in this case, because I'm sure a lot of the, even more of the performance came through, but I thought it was interesting that he didn't choose to be very elaborate with his makeup. Well, the the choices he makes are all, they're all physical <clears throat> things. The, mm-hmm. the crouch, mm-hmm. the way he slumps, mm-hmm. uh, one, one, uh, one side a little bit, uh, of course the offside from where the hump actually is, and uh, the 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 gait, the walk that he uses uh, is very very much a. Um, it's a. You're right about him bowing his legs. He's yeah. walking. <clears throat> I'm reminded of uh, having just recently watched a 1970s film with Robert Duvall, and being reminded watching that that my God is Robert Duvall Duvall bowlegged. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Nash he wasn't bowlegged. No, no. But in this film, he looks as if he is mm-hmm. in a lot of scenes. He yeah. looks like a man who is bow-legged and has that kind of walk. Mm-hmm. And so he's really doing his best to change his, even the way he moves mm-hmm. and uh, the, the way he walks up steps. Everything is everything is off. And I yeah. think, of course, any actor will tell you that the uh, a physical thing, something that, that reminds you constantly that you are this character, some physical thing that's on you, yeah. touching you, reminding you at every moment. Yeah. Uh, I, rem- I remember uh, some actors talking about the wanting that some little some little thing to remind them of something about the character to keep them physically present in the mm. character, like mm. putting a sharp stone in their shoe yeah. during yeah. the performance, yeah. or uh, crazy ass things like shoving coleslaw under their underwear. Weird things. I'm <laughs> yeah, serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> weird, weird things to get. I have to try that. That actually sounds vaguely <laughs> my, pleasurable. My, my, <laughs> it's got to be. It's, it's got to be the certain kind of coleslaw. No, yeah. uh, but, you know things that give you that that add just a little bit to it because it gives you that constant physical reminder and I think that uh, in this case it's not like the Wolfman character Mm -hmm. where 
Mm-hmm. He's just he's just Valdemar yeah. without without the makeup. Yeah. He's just a guy. Right. In this, he's always yeah. oh, he's Goto. A... Always. Yeah. So there's always that physical reminder mm-hmm. that you know, I am this way. I've got, you know, da 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 even the way he holds his hands and the way he picks things up, it's mm-hmm. different. It doesn't look the same. Right. And uh, of course, I, I say this having now watched the, the film yeah, three times sure, in the past right. two weeks, so it's, I'm starting to pick up on really oh, bizarre little yeah. details. But well, it's it's it's. I'm sure we're going to mention it at some point. It's probably worth mentioning now. And we, of course, were uh, were uh, anyone who listened to our show in the past already knew this that uh, you know this film was made in the middle of Count Dracula's Great Love, yeah, which suspended production. Uh, had to suspend production. Because of some injuries to some of the, the cast members, and had to, and they went and made this movie, and so it's fascinating to really need to compare how he his performance as Goto, and then also at the same time the doctor I get I forget that was a Doctor Marlowe or whatever the doctor that he was playing yeah. in uh, Count Dracula's Great Love or playing Dracula basically because talk about two completely just shows his range as an actor you know how diverse those roles were and how different his whole bearing and and everything was it's, it's kind of cool to and, sh- and it definitely shows a different. A different approach to mm. the character, which is, of course, what's completely—I mean, it's completely mm. necessary. Yeah. Okay. Our, our next mm. scene is uh, Goto walking down the street during during the day, mm-hmm. and he is confronted and attacked by a band of kids. Yeah, a pack these, of brats, as I wrote down here. Yeah, <laughs> a pack of brats. <laughs> well, and, and we should be we should be straight up front. These aren't kids that are like in a gang or anything. No. They're just school. They kids. look more like school kids. Yeah, right. They're in school uniforms and everything, and they come out there and they're yelling at him, and, and they start throwing rocks at him, and they actually. I mean, they're they're hurting him pretty bad with the rocks, and they actually get him in the head and cut right. his scalp. And they would have probably just kept it up, except that someone comes along and tells the kids to go away. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Once again, you know, uh, Con, you know, kind of a gorilla throwing stuff at him, and you know, he gets this look of sheer rage on his on his face. I mean, you definitely, you know, the anger comes to the the forefront there. See, but he basically still sits and, there and, and takes it while they yeah. pelt him with rocks. But by it. the way, that is that is one of the only only two moments in the film where I feel that. He's cheated by the director's choice of framing there because that moment mm-hmm. when he when he grimaces mm-hmm. in anger at them and shakes his fist, yeah, that looks hammy as mm-hmm. hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I the thing is, yeah, like... it shouldn't look hammy as hell, right? But the thing is, it's framed in such a way so that when he does this, you're looking straight at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're. I see what you're saying. You're, and it, yeah, and, that's it, a good point. and if and he could have done that very same thing. Yeah. But if the camera had just been to one side or the mm-hmm. other. Instead of it, look it, because it, it really does make me want to go mm. get off my lawn. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really it, that, that one kids, thing right yeah. there. Yeah. And it's it's not his performance; it's that that's what's called for because his his reaction mm. is is mm. is that anger. But looking at it the way mm. we're shown it, it mm. looks a little like you know Grandpa bitching at somebody's <laughs> touched his roses or something. <laughs> but um, he's he's he, the kids get scared, get scattered by uh, the appearance of Doctor Elkie. Mm-hmm. Who is played by the ever luscious yes. Rosanna Yanni, Rosanna Yanni. Uh, who was of course also in Count Dracula's Green mm-hmm, Love with mm-hmm. him? Um, she comes along and she is also very sympathetic toward him. Right. So at this point, we've been introduced to two women in the film, and both mm-hmm. of them are yeah, sympathetic they're, they're kinda, toward him. Yeah. She walks. She, they walk along the, the the street together and talk for a while. She's obviously known of him because apparently he's he's essentially kind of, mm-hmm. if not the village idiot, then mm-hmm. at least everybody in town knows who he is. Right. Uh, and he tells her uh, about Ilsa and about her her illness, and mm. kind of fills her in on what's going on with him. And she's very sympathetic, takes him back to her home, mm-hmm. and bandages his wound. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, her her kindness is is obviously done out of well, I mean she's a doctor, so right. I mean, you yeah. got you got to expect that. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just that that kind of thing, and she's very sweet about it. And he oh uh, he seems just so completely overwhelmed by this. What what would be the word to use? I mean, uh, well, just somebody showing him attention, one thing, kind attention, you know. Well, it's, it's like this kind the, the kindness, I yeah, guess. Yeah, right. That he uh, he actually he actually kisses her feet. Yeah, it's an amazing scene there where he just yeah where he actually kneels down and kisses her feet. It's very very and powerful. Here's the interesting thing: he he does this feet kissing thing with her a couple of times in the movie. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we go from him uh, down kissing her feet in thanks, and then we cut to a long shot of him kneeling down at Ilse's feet. With her in the wheelchair out in the garden. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that. I didn't notice. Yeah, that yeah. like I say, That's I've me. seen That's this movie three times. <laughs> three times just recently. This is probably my tenth time watching this movie overall, and I noticed that edit. We go from him kissing mm-hmm. her, the, the doctor's feet, to being not not kissing, but kneeling down in front of Ilsa's feet with her in the wheelchair out in the garden. Uh, this scene, he's he's pushing her around the garden where she's out getting a little sun. She's telling him that she knows that she's going to die soon, and he's trying to convince her. No, no, that's not. That's not yeah. true. That's not true. Very happy, and it's not important to me that these are my last moments on earth. You shouldn't be saying that. I think you're much better. <laughs> if the doctor permitted you to come out, it's because you're better. No, we can't be fooling ourselves. I know my life is fading out. The professor knows that an outing in the garden can do me very little harm. Okay, we go from that touching, beautiful, yeah, little, beautiful moment. little moment. The very next scene is, I, I have it labeled women's prison, but it's not a women's prison. No, it's, I guess they refer to it as sort of a reformatory at times yeah. or something. It's almost, maybe, I think it's more of like a psychiatric kind of kind of thing. Rather but than only like, for women. Yes, but only for women. And young women. Mm-hmm. Apparently into lesbian I those, sex. I was about to say, I bet it's those Spanish women that enjoy sex. You know, we must lock them up. We must control them. Lock them up. <laughs> But yes, it's an amazing scene. We suddenly switch to uh, one woman, uh, Ava, whipping another woman, Marlena. She's laying across the yep. bed, and she's just wailing away. And it, it almost, it almost made me just think, like you know, that the the European horror cinema at that time is you have to have a whipping somewhere in this film. I don't well, know how yeah, we're the, going to fit it in here, but we've got to have well, a whipping. Well, no, it's like they're sitting down with the script. <laughs> they're doing a table read, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're going, okay. <laughs> We've noticed there's no S and M element. Yeah, really. Yeah, we must have an S and M element. Where can we fit that in? <laughs> and so quickly, the, you know, people writing the screenplay are sitting there going, "Oh, Jesus, you're right, we forgot." Yeah, um, yeah. It's, like, it's like, well, normally in a European, normally in a horror film, it, of course, it would be the hunchback who whips somebody, but you can't do it. Goto wouldn't whip. Yeah, anybody. Goto's not so that kind like, of guy. So how are we gonna, where are we going to get our 
<laughs> well, what I love is that both women are obviously enjoying it. I was about to say, I don't yeah. think either of them, I mean, yeah, I was about to say, the, I, don't, I get the impression that neither of them is, uh, is not enjoying what's going on. But this is where we discover where Dr. Elke works. She right, works right. in the reformatory here, or the, mm-hmm. the whatever you want to call it. Yeah. She comes in and breaks <laughs> breaks up the two <laughs> girls, separates them. Uh, oh, I love her. Yeah, I love her line. She says, I see that you two are going to have to be separated. It's like, yeah, you think? <laughs> you, think? you think maybe so? <laughs> I wonder why you would think that, Doctor. <laughs> okay, so we we then are introduced to we we see Doctor Tauchner again mm-hmm. uh, speaking with uh, Doctor Mayer, uh, Freedom Doctor Freedom Mayer, who is played by Maria Pershy. Yes, and if, if Rod's voice lowers a couple of octaves when he talks about uh, this character, he talks about Maria Percy until uh, he starts uh, sounding like Luther Vandross or something, it's because he less, less, less after uh, the uh, wonderful yes, Miss yes, Percy. Yes, I do. I'm not going to deny it. I, I have for years now, even before I let myself know what her name was. Uh, but, uh, and we should also mention that Dr. T- uh, Dr. Tauchner mm-hmm. is, uh, is played by Vic Winter, Vic Winter, a.k.a. Victor Alcazar. Yes. He's real name Victor Alcazar, right. who... Uh, both, of course, both of these actors have been in a couple of other Nashi films. They both worked with them multiple times. Well, Big Winter uh, was actually in Count Dracula's Great Love, so Light Rosanna Yanni brought both of them over from from that to be in, in this film. And Big Winter also in Horror Rises from the Tomb. And... That's all. That always is my favorite um, Nashi film performance from him. Is the Horror Rises from the Tomb? Yeah, character, yeah he's very right? good in that. Because there's that section of the film for about 20 minutes where he really takes center stage. Yeah, he he, he shoulders it well. He's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he, he's good in he's good in every yeah. every film that we've seen him in. So that's yeah. not really that's not any big yeah. surprise. So these doctors are both not only colleagues but also are engaged. And before we go further, we probably need to make a quick agreement on uh, what we really want to call these characters because I noticed that in the in the dubbed version they're called uh, the dubbed version they're dubbed they're called Fre- Frederick and Maria. But the subtitles call them Peter and Frida, so it's it's a uh, oh yeah that's yeah, true. Yeah. Which I don't know where they well know how they get that. I just don't. In my notes, I just went by their last names: Talkner and Meyer, Doctor Meyer, yeah, Doctor yeah. Talkner. That works, seemed, works that, for me. Works that for that me. seemed to be the easiest way, and those okay. are the names that that seem to stick regardless okay. of which version of the film you're watching. That works so, for me. Okay, cool. So, um, Doctor Talkner is speaking with Doctor Mayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayer apparently is the. Uh, uh, the warden or or boss of <laughs> yeah. the reformatory uh-huh. about uh, a brain checkup. Apparently, Doctor Mayer has been using her facilities to help uh, Tauchner and his colleague Doctor Orla, the university professor, uh, for, on a project that he's working on. With uh, and some of the so apparently some of this stuff that he's trying to keep from the administration of the university, and so. Dr. Mayer's been helping out by using her facilities to run a few tests for them here and there, mm-hmm. just kind of off the books. Obviously something she only agreed to because she's in love with Tauscher. Right, because, so. she, yeah, she definitely makes it clear that she's not, not crazy about Dr. Orla. Yeah. At this point, we uh, th- this, is, uh, for, this is the second time in the movie Orla's name is mentioned and we've yet to meet him. He's mentioned, or he's mentioned mm-hmm. briefly uh, earlier by the, by the jerk <laughs> hospital <laughs> attendants. Right, right. Uh, Elkie comes in and, um, ex- and to talk to them about the, the having to separate the inmates, and this is where we learn that uh, Doctor Elkie is actually a criminal psychologist. Yeah, and a former student of Doctor Tochner. Yep. Goto, we see now gathering flowers for Ilsa. He's apparently going to keep his promise to bring her a bouquet of flowers every day. Mm-hmm. 
and he's doing this out in front of out in front of the hospital, mm-hmm. and he is ta- being taunted by the hospital orderlies and mm-hmm. and the young doctors, the mm-hmm. young doctors in training, and things escalate, and there's a big throwdown fight. And until one of them uses this, you know, backs themselves up with a club, uh, uh, Goto's pretty much uh, getting he's, the best of the yeah. fight. He is, he's holding, he's not just holding his own, he's kicking <laughs> yeah. the crap out of these four guys. Yeah. And uh, this is a really well done fight it, sequence. It is. Yeah. And it turns out, uh, the reason for that is one of these, one of these hospital orderlies is played by a really badass stuntman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something we learned from the commentary track. Yeah. And he coordinated the fight scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's why this fight sequence <laughs> really mm-hmm. looks good. It really does. But uh, he's beating the hell out of him until the rake, the rake enters the picture and he gets clubbed over the head. Yeah. And luckily, just before things, I mean, they're standing they're around they're kicking, kicking the hell out kicking of him. Him around and... But it's this, this is broken up by Dr. Orla, who we now meet, and Dr. Tauchner, mm. who come out of the hospital and, and get them off of him. And it's obvious Orla is pissed off that yeah. this is happening. He mm. is not happy. Mm-hmm. But uh, Goto just you know gets up and thanks them for, stop, for stopping this and grabs his flowers back up off the ground and then mm-hmm. heads mm-hmm. off to, uh, to see Ilsa. But this this fight has delayed him just long enough so that right before he enters the room, Ilsa passes away. Yeah. And let's just say that that is the cruelest nurse in the history of hospitals. Oh, boy. She really, yeah, talk about, she's, she's, she's the only, she, you know, she doesn't, you know, she might as well have just called him a big, ugly gorilla to his face because she's, what she says to him is just as, in its own way, as yeah, thoughtless. Know, as thoughtless. What, what, what is it, what is it she says something along the lines of Well, she says, of, she says, she, you know, she, if you'd just been a few minutes earlier, you could have talked to her. You, you could know, have it's like, gee, to thanks, her. nurse. You know, it's, it's like, like, yeah. Yeah, so. that's really <laughs> touching. You, yeah. uh, great. You're, you're a nurse in training, right? Yeah. You're not really <laughs> all the way there, right? <laughs> oh, God. It, it really does feel like her rubbing it in, like, you. You slow bastard! You I think know. in this case, I think in, in I think in this case, it's more of a just a, a sense of, of like here's somebody who might not might not taunt him or, or torture him, but thinks so nothing, thinks so little of him as, yeah. as anything that doesn't even think about what she says to him. You know, it's like it's just a you know more like thoughtlessly cruel and, instead of intentionally cruel. You know? Now I will say this: I suspect that this scene was filmed at the exact same time as the previous scene. Um, yeah, that would uh, make sense. I bet it was. Uh, because he, he has, his flesh has that same tint in this. I bet he's, yeah, but he's still I'll bet you the they film, mm-hmm. you know, you, you film things like this mm-hmm. when you've got the sets and you do it all at once. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't, you don't go crazy. So I'll bet you money he filmed this scene while, you know, while, <laughs> you know, yeah. with this massive fever as mm-hmm. well. Because mm-hmm. um, it's the exact same scene, the same actors. So he does a really good job here again. It's a very, it's very touching. Until he gets to his grimace of anger and mm-hmm. and, and he's very, he's obviously incredibly pissed. Yeah, I would say this might all almost be the moment where Goto snaps. It's yeah, not, it's yeah, not. It's, you don't it, attention yeah. doesn't get drawn to it. I think it's something you only see in retrospect. Mm-hmm. But uh, the next scene is him in, down in the morgue where he works, grieving in extremis. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's really, mm-hmm. really grieving, and it's made worse. When the attendants wheel in Ilsa's body to be prepped for dissection, she's going to be used just like these other bodies right. for the students. The attendants, once again, just being like complete this... assholes. <laughs> no, it's are just fucking with him, and they even like they even steal the gold necklace just, off of Ilsa's well, one neck. Of, one of them's lines that killed me was he says. He says, he says, uh, he's, when they're looking at the gold chain, he says, this cold cut won't need it anymore. Oh, God, I know. And, I <laughs> mean, like, and, and, and if you had any doubts that this is when he snaps, 
Mm-hmm. He just go, Goto goes into a massive rage and attacks them. I mean, without warning, without yeah, yeah, saying a yeah, word, he just yeah. lays into them and grabs a freaking axe. Now, I have a question. Uh-huh. Why was there an axe in the morgue? <laughs> this is a good wood chopping axe. Well, you know that's what the, well, you know that's what the students start with before they learn to use a scalpel and everything. You have to like start them with something that's you know. <laughs> Jesus. See, <laughs> so first is the hatchet, then is the scalpel, then is the bone saw. If you really learn what, you know, really make it we, all the way. We get, we get to finer and finer, finer and finer edged weapons until you are finally a doctor. Oh, I, but Goto was obviously Goto had obviously been practicing with the axe at some point because that's a sweet stroke uh, that he just like takes oh, that takes that dude's head off with about sort Man. of a backhand. You know, it's it's, it's oh, a, and then, and then sort of John McEnroe the, backhand yeah. there and all just back. <laughs> 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 and and then like and then guts the dude and yeah. his intestines, intestines come flying out. out. Mm-hmm. He kills those two dude. He kills those guys faster than anybody drank that fucking two liter beer. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Whew. Man, that's a quick. That's snap. He is crazy. I want to see two guys get into like. I want to see two guys get into a bar fight with those glasses. With those glasses, you know, break them over the. You know, you <laughs> have to hold them with two hands you know, and they try and snap each other. Uh, oh lord and all I love about this scene too is when he's grieving there first you know we come in on the we're, they're playing the haunting Ilsa theme uh-huh. and then it stops when yeah. he slaughters these guys and the minute that they're dead it's like they drop the needle back on the you know it's like <laughs> the, the haunting Ilsa theme just sort of starts back up again it's like oh where was I oh yes I was grieving for you yeah, yeah, we, he just he just took this guy's head off and this dude was trying to shove his own intestines back into his stomach but no 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 hold on <laughs> Jesus you're right I had thought about that Okay, so he's obviously snapped. He steals Ilsa's body and takes her to these catacombs that are under the town. Uh, this, this is a really great set, some amazing stuff. It's, uh, there's like an old torture chamber, these yeah. old uh, torch-lit uh, corridors. Oh, man, I can't even say enough about these these sets, these catacombs they found, that they filmed these in. And, and uh, it's just fascinating stuff you find out about them on the commentary track. But... Oh, I know. But my gosh, I mean, they just, you, I'd never get tired of looking at them. They're just, just, just amazing sets. Really what are. I love is that later on, you find, you, in the dialogue, Dr. Orla says that, you know, he actually gives some history in the mm-hmm. film about right. those catacombs. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that's the real history of some of these catacombs that yeah, they were yeah. used to hide Jews during World War II mm-hmm. and uh, things like this where, where you were like, well, my God, really? That's mm-hmm. so he, I mean, he just like folded the information mm-hmm. about those catacombs, which yeah. are in Spain. Yeah. Into the story mm-hmm. just to get that little bit of history and add a little bit more, you know, depth and and, and, yeah. and color to it. So. And speaking of color, the colors in these in these scenes in these catacombs, by a combination, I guess, of the film stock and also just the colors that were present, the lighting and everything is um, they almost look like paintings at times. There's just so oh, many beautiful. layers of color. Oh, it's beautiful. Even, even, even in the crappy, even in this crappy Maya oh, yeah, DVD, yeah, it just, just looks really mm-hmm. good. It's wonderful. I I agree. I agree. Well, he carries Ilsa's body down there. Mm-hmm. And lays her out on uh, is it is it a table or was it a rack? Because he, I think it, it was like, like a, a torture. Cha- yeah, it is like some kind of disused torture chain. Yeah, there are there are torture implements around. So I think there were chains on it. So that got me the impression that it was, was obviously it, a a, it was a may have been a rack. Maybe maybe it was maybe it is the rack. Uh, or no, I think because the rack would have the table. big like wheel at the end of it. So yeah, I think yeah, it's just yeah. a table. I think it's just obviously one that had been used for torture. And there's still a skeleton on it that he sort of just that he shoves off, shoves off, and. And Patsil's on there. And the whole time, if you had any doubt whatsoever that Goto has snapped, he's talking to her the whole time. Yeah. Telling her she can sleep there, but she'll be safe. And you know. uh-huh. Then he says to her that he's got to deliver roses to someone who doubted your beauty. Yeah. Which is a great line. I do. I love that. And, it, and like I say, it makes you realize that this, you know, this mentally deficient man who up till now 
even with all the things that life has tossed at him, has been an okay guy. Trying to just get through the Trying to get through life. He's gone now. He has snapped. He has snapped. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that he can't redeem himself, but Mm -hmm. right now, Mm -hmm. he's delusional. Yeah. He's yeah. delusional. He's talking to a corpse, someone mm-hmm. he knows is dead, yeah. trying to pretend she's not dead, and he's killed two people. And more and more as the film goes on, you get to hear more. He says more and more things that make you realize that how delusional he is, yeah. but still wonderfully, uh, you know, the performing performing that very well. You know, Nash does. You know, he did never going overboard with it there. Just in the things he says, you know, we can realize how much he's gone over the deep end. So Goto goes out and is watching the tavern again mm-hmm. and uh some of those uh those uh, doctors in training or attendants are mm-hmm. there drinking and mm-hmm. he's got his eyes on a particular one mm-hmm. hans mm-hmm. now hans is drinking and he, he finally stumbles out uh, at the end of the night and goto stalks him all the way home waits until he collapses into his own bed and kills him with the roses by smothering him with the yeah. roses yeah which I love. Yeah, oh, I, I, I freaking love the image yeah. of someone being smothered with a bouquet of roses. Mm-hmm. What a great idea! Mm-hmm. That's I as mean, good as any shallow, you know, killing oh, I know. right now. You know, so. it's fantastic. I, I, I absolutely, mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. Um, it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, the next day, the of course the two <laughs> dismembered corpses have been found down in the morgue, and it's like, wait a minute, aren't these supposed to be on tables? Oh, wait a minute, these aren't <laughs> these aren't supposed to be here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is kind of where you we sort of get that uh, time honored, you know, scene in every uh, every film from this period, every European film is is the police discussing, you know, what's you know the police, you know, we first see the first interaction of the, the yeah. police on the case here, um, and they immediately go, hey, wait a minute, could it be the hun- could it be the hunchback? Mm-hmm. He works down here, and where is he? You couldn't imagine it. It was terrible. The two cadavers were absolutely destroyed. Mm, isn't there some clue as to who might be the killer? The clerk in charge of the morgue. A deformed individual named Wolfgang Goto has disappeared, but according to our investigation, he's retarded mentally. All of our inquiries show that he's harmless and quite pacific. Any indication as to where he might be hiding? None. However, there's one significant detail. One of the cadavers has disappeared from the dissection room. It was the body of a young woman who died just recently. The hunchback felt deeply for her. We've just discovered another crime. A student named Hans Berger. Was discovered strangled in his room. Hans Berger, if I remember right, he had a strong altercation with Goto this morning. Order a general alarm. We must find this hunchback as soon as possible. I love that we learn his name is Wolfgang Goto. Yeah. So Goto is his last name. Mm-hmm. Wolfgang is first name. And we find out in the commentary yeah. track it's nice, uh... that uh, he uh, Wolfgang comes from one of Nashi's. Uh, Idols, mm-hmm. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, mm-hmm. and uh, Goto is a um, a kind of bastardization of Goethe, right? Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the painter. Mm-hmm. So very interesting, very yeah, very like interesting. That. How I like I, it's nice to find out where he's getting names for oh, characters very much occasionally, so, yeah. and it's it's one of the reasons why I get so frustrated with his autobiography because that's the kind of information I'd really love to have on almost every one of his scripts. Oh, yeah. It was like, where yeah. did you pull this name from? Mm-hmm. Why use this name for this character? Well, did you have a reason or not mm-hmm. have a reason? You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, not, it's, it's nice to have that insight. Good to know that they're almost immediately suspecting the, the hunchback because, yeah, well, than, yeah. he is missing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we see Goto now going down to the catacombs to visit Ilsa. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, this is the this is a rather harrowing scene. Well, it's for a definitely couple the of most reasons. notorious scene yeah. uh, in, of, of, of a lot of, of definitely of this film, and, and really one of Nata- one of Nashi's most famous c- c- scenes coming up here. Um, well, the the first really disturbing thing about it is that's an actual actress laying there on that table with rats, rats all yeah. over her. Yeah, that is mm-hmm. disturbing <clears throat> because I don't want rats anywhere near me. <laughs> I don't have a problem with gerbils, yeah. but as soon as the thing has teeth and tails. Yeah. Especially long rat tail. Mm. I don't want it touching me. <laughs> I don't want it near me. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how much they paid whoever that was because I don't know that it was the actress. Well, it's like we've like we've said before. You know, if you're going to be an actress in Nash's films, you, you got to do more and just look pretty. You know, they get called on to do some pretty rough stuff. <laughs> this yeah. is true. This is true. But um, the, she she's got all these rats. The body's got ra- all these rats over it. He goes over and starts knocking the rats off of her, freaking out. The rats are nibbling away. They've gotten to yeah. her skin and to her face. Yeah. And he starts attacking them and grabs one of the, the lit torches. Mm. And this is the really notorious part, is they yeah. actually burn a bunch of rats. They do. Those are real rats, real on fire there. And it's not, you know, not easy to watch if you, you know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, even if they're rats, they're animals and living yeah. things. And yeah. it's not easy to watch. And on the commentary track, you can tell he's a little sheepish about it. Uh, no pun intended. You know, he's not. Uh, he he, is, he doesn't is. feel real. Uh, he, he has the kind of attitude that I think is probably most appropriate, which yeah. is. He says that at the time, mm-hmm. nobody thought twice about this. Nobody and they thought. didn't. They didn't. It's the early 70s. He also points out that those particular rats were going to be killed anyway because they had been rounded up by, uh, by basically the, the people who came into Jesus. So yeah. however they were going to kill them, you know. The rats I don't know, were going to die. Yeah. Right. But the problem is they were probably going to be dying. They were probably going to be begast. something a little, exactly. It might have been something a little more, you know, it's hard. <laughs> it's still hard to justify setting them on Setting fire. them on fire and letting them run around so that yeah. we can film it. Yeah. It is pretty harsh. It's mm-hmm. one of the few instances in a Nashi film where there's real animal cruelty. That's true. It doesn't have much in his. Uh, I have to admit, it's very hard for me to get too worked up about the cruelty mm-hmm. to, to rats because, like I say, they make my freaking flesh crawl. <laughs> and they're, but, not, they're not exactly an endangered species either, I know. But, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, it's still... Exactly. It's, 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 uh, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, it's, it's, you know, obviously it was not... It is good that that would not be allowed now, and, and I well, think it, I think Nashi would agree. But it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, recently, saw a film. Actually, saw a couple of films when I delved heavily into uh, a bunch of Australian uh, exploitation films made in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. And uh, in more than a few of them, you see real kangaroo hunts. Mm-hmm. Now, for an Australian, yeah. yeah, who's dealt with kangaroos all his life, seeing mm-hmm. a few of them put down because yeah. there's so freaking many of them, and they have to call the herd. Yeah. Isn't is no big deal. It's just another part of they're life. Kind of like deer in certain here areas. Or yeah, it's, you know, it's like but deer. It's, but it's still you know, for us, have... they're more exotic animals, and it's hard for us to, right. to see that thing. So seeing seeing them shoot, you know, take yeah. down a couple of roos, yeah. for me it was kind of shocking yeah. and yeah. disconcerting, and it really kind of added a layer of freakiness to the film that nece- About... that didn't necessarily. Mm. Well, it wasn't probably supposed to be there for most viewers <laughs> in in its native land, yeah. and. Um, it's just so weird how something like that can can really throw the tone of something in a different direction. Yeah, it can, it can. And but if if you watch this and, and it does upset you, the treatment of the rats, you might take some comfort in knowing that they bit the shit out of Paul Nashi uh, before yes, they, they died. Uh, <laughs> they uh, there are you will see in the movie. I love the fact that these rats. These were very energetic rats, and they mm. when you see them leaping up at his legs yeah. and off that table at his it, arms and head, and he's swatting them away. 
That wasn't really planned. This 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 wasn't the case. This wasn't the thrown cat <laughs> that we've seen in some of the other yeah. films. The thrown cat. They were not thrown on. I mean, he he talked about how they they really could leap like that. They really know? could leap like that. And you can well, that's what in two or three separate shots you see the damn rats leap. Yeah, yeah. And in in one leap, it's from on the ground mm. to up past his knee. Yeah. And I don't think he expected it. Yeah, I don't think he expected that, and he kind of freaked him out. I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, and I'm pretty sure that that's why he didn't have too much trouble right then. Yeah, towards <laughs> the little bastards, because they bit him. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's honestly, that was that's kind of scary. That's the kind of scary you just get when you're interacting with a real damned animal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, but... So, uh, flaming, yeah. flaming rats aside... The cops come to visit Dr. Orla at his home. And by the way, while we're talking about names, oh, yeah. we know it. Dr. Orla can't tell me that's not a reference to something. <laughs> well, here's the thing. This is what gets to me. Uh-huh. I thought, surely, Dr. Orla was, was just a Orla. kind of sound-alike thing for Dr. Orloff. Orloff. You, so it's not? I mean, that's what I was, that's what I was thinking. And if, you, if you're not aware of what Dr. Orloff is, Dr. Orloff's a reoccurring mad scientist, mad doctor character in a lot of Jess Franco movies. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen his 1962 film, The the Awful Dr. Orloff, start there. Good film, black and white, gothic horror. Really, really good film. Pretty readily available. Uh, often listed as Franco's first film. It's not really his first film, but it's, it's boy, it's a tasty, it's a tasty little black and white gothic horror <laughs> film. And uh, he returned, Franco returned again and again to using Dr. Orloff in one form or another, played by several different actors over time. Although I loved it best when Howard Vernon's playing. Oh, yeah, character. of course. So I thought, for sure, Orla, Orloff, he's just kind of playing around with that name. Nashy in the commentary track claims something different. He claims Orla is from the creature in Guy Muparasant's Oh, story. Oh, right. The, the, uh, the Horla. Gosh, you know, I, I watched the commentary track, but I, I, I missed that. I missed it. He said that. No, I was surprised Very interesting, by but that. the Horla. Wow. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. No, uh, not, that's not, not, it's it, Guy de Maupassant. He's French, yeah. of course, and I'm mispronouncing his last name. Well, I'm guy. slaughtering French. Guy. I wonder if it's, kind of it's guy. 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 It's Guy. Uh, well, anyway. But, uh, yeah, the Horla story, which, Very by the way, uh, the Horla, the short story of the Horla, was turned into a film with Vincent Price called Diary of a Madman, if that's you're right. unaware of that. Very cool. So, apparently, that's where he, he kind of bastardized yeah. uh, Horla down to Orla for the name of this for the name of this uh, doctor. And, and, and tell me where I've seen that guy who's playing Dr. Orla before, because I know I've seen him before, but he's driving me nuts, because I don't think he was in another Nashi film, I don't believe, or maybe it was, but I'm just, I don't think that's where I've seen him. I'm, I know I've seen him somewhere. His name is... Um, Alberto Dalbis, and uh, he is an actor that I have seen in a whole lot of Spanish movies. He uh, unfortunately passed away in 1983, Mm -hmm. but I have seen him in a number of movies, a lot of Jess Franco films. That's probably where maybe I've seen him, is because I know I've seen him before. Oh yeah, if you're a Spanish horror fan, you have seen this guy. He was in The Diabolical Dr. Z. Uh, he's been. He was in a number of Euro spy films made in the '60s, Danger, uh, Danger, Death Ray, and you might know him from A Quiet Place to Kill, Cutthroats Nine, the two uh, Frankenstein, Jess Franco films, Dr- uh, Dracula versus Frankenstein. Oh, I've heard of that one too. Like uh, Maniac uh, Mansion. Maniac Mansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in. Uh, he's in one of my favorite Franco films from the mid '70s, uh, either known as Night of the Skull. Or Night of the Assassins, mm. which is a great film. Uh, the Demons, and a, and a few others. Kiss Me, Killer. Mm. He was in a number of Franco films, but I've cool. seen him in a, quite a few things. 
and it's just really great to see him because he's he's he plays a great mad scientist, <laughs> yeah, and he is. does a really good job here, mm-hmm. really having to kind of go back and forth and get crazier as the film goes on, but also be able to slap a veneer of sanity over it. Yes, to manipulate those around him. There's yeah. yeah, he does he does a great job, and, and he he's a blast to watch. But the cops come to talk to him about uh, the hunchback because they're suspicious of him. And Orla is re- really just incredulous. He's like, oh, "Come on, this—he's not capable of stepping on a bug. This, right. you're, you know, Goto is not somebody you're looking for here." Right. But the cops are saying uh, he's vanished, and uh, there's the body of the woman that he was in love with, and it's vanished as well. But Orla, you know, yeah, I've got no idea where he is. But you know, if anything pops up, I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. He does say the death of Ilsa might have changed him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, yeah, if you're paying attention to the movie, I'd say that's so. Yeah, yeah, just subtle things. We cut to the hospital. Great scene here. This is, the, the, Yeah, this is Orla going about his work that mm. we've heard a little bit about so far. He's doing a study of various human organs. Mm-hmm. And behind him, as he works, <laughs> this sheeted figure on, on a gurney slowly rises up behind him. And is like, ah! Oh. And then we see, before he does, that it's Goto. yeah. It's actually kind of a nice little bit of, I think, slightly intentional humor. I think it's kind of darkly humorous scene. Just playing on the classic thing of the the body rising up from the slab and it turning out to be Goto. I think it's in a a film that doesn't have a whole lot of humor. I think it's kind of a nice little touch there. But uh, Goto has come to Orla because for some reason he trusts Orla. I I guess because Orla has defended him, at least. Mm -hmm. He probably defended him more than once, but we saw him definitely break up that fight. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says, "I, I, I, I desperately need your help. And he takes Orla and shows him the caves, the catacombs, mm. and explains yeah, the two entrances to the place. I couldn't have imagined a cave like this. Nobody can find us here. Does it have only one entrance? No. There's another that goes to the ruins of the Abbey. Are you really going to help me, Professor? That depends on you, Koto. You must do everything I tell you to do. Here it is, Professor. of the Inquisition in places like this, but I would never have believed they still existed, much less here. Professor, you're just sleeping. I know that you're the only one that might be able to wake her. I promise you I will, Goto. But you have to help me also. You have to transfer my laboratory to the subterranean cave. It's not easy to do what you've asked me. I need a private place to work. I know you can do it, Professor. I know you can do it. Have confidence in me, Goto. And uh, you mustn't leave this cave. The police have been looking everywhere for you this morning. So Orla shifts into mad scientist mode very smoothly. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. Okay. It's just the side of the catacombs. I mean, if you've got catacombs to play around in, you might as well be mad. Well, there's, you know, tor- there's torture implements. All we need some electricity yeah. down here. Uh-huh. We, got, we got a full mad scientist gig working. <laughs> I know a couple of girls that get into whipping the, that live in the reformatory <laughs> there. We can, we can just really have a good old party, oh. a good old party here. Okay, so the next day, Orla is uh, talking to Tauchner, Dr. Tauchner, about uh, this whole situation. Uh, the university has refused funding for his work. Mm-hmm. He calls them blind idiots. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't use the hospital stuff anymore. Mummified. He refers to them as mummified at one point. Mummified. I thought that was a great sure. turn there. Uh, he says he plans to uh, transfer his work elsewhere and continue. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this. You think that that should have 
come before the scene we've just seen? Or the, the two, would you feel like that might have been better placed if at least part of this conversation between him and Tochner, at least the part him talking about how they've refused him funding? Because in the scene before, we had we show him asking uh, or telling Goto that he's going to have to build him a lab down there in the catacombs, and and in the next scene. You know, we find out why, but I mean, I kind of sort of wondered if that part sort of, should have been... Re- that, if that part, if it had been a different scene, but this scene goes right into... Oh, yeah. You know, saying this, you know, our yeah, you experiments... For, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our experiments force us outside the law, he says yeah. He says next. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I see what you're saying, where yeah. it would have set up mm-hmm. his desire, because we're not... We, we, don't have, we have no information until he no. tells Goto, okay, we're going to move all my crap down here. Like you said, it really does seem like he just immediately turns into a uh-huh. mad scientist, yeah. you know. But but if we'd been given the information about his mm. uh, funding being cut off by the university before yeah. Goto shows up to ask him for help, mm. you're right. And that and, is one of my points about the film. It's a, mm. it's a, it's a plot problem where if they presented that information mm. and then yeah. this information, it would have flowed better. You're yeah, absolutely a little bit better, right. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. Um, so anyway, yeah. So now he's he's t- but he does take Tauchner down into the uh, abbey or down well, into excuse well, me. Well, well he takes well, him through this, this great. He 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 tells him. Um, well, we, we we learn in this in the dialogue that now Goto's suspected of three murders. Yeah, which is Hans and then Hans, these the and then the two, two attendants. Two attendants, right? Um, Tauchner isn't sure. He says, I'll, "I'll show you the new lab, and you'll agree with me." There's, he takes him down there. But this is where we fit our first look at at the. Another incredible set, which was used in, in many horror films, these abbey, these ruins of this abbey, abbey that are yeah. just fantastic. Uh, because there are two entr- there are two entrances <coughs> into the catacombs, and uh, one of them is in this in the abbey. That's the that's one entrance, and the other is near the women's reformatory or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, and we see yeah we see Goto use that sometimes. It's basically a door in the ground. He just yeah. opens up a, a type of trap door thing. Uh, but he, yeah, he does take uh, take him down to the catacombs. Um, and I love this. He he says it's about seventy five feet underground, and all the cells in the torture chambers used during the Inquisition, and mm-hmm. the whole thing about the Jews hiding there during World right, War II. Right. And uh, he intros the whole idea of waking Ilsa. Yeah, he didn't tell Tauchner that he was going to come down there and find Ilsa's body. Tauchner's kind of a, a yeah. bit repulsed by that. He, he 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 didn't introduce. He didn't. You know, it's it's he took he took the the idea that you don't want to toss the guy into the deep end with no. all this information that might clutter up his mind. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of confuses decision making process. No, no, no. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start at the shallow end. We need to keep going with the experiments. Yeah. They've cut yeah. off our funding. See, it's a little deeper there. Yeah. Right, they can, right? Yeah, you can agree right. we need to keep going because yeah. our, our our work is important. Yeah, and they've cut off our funding. That gets mm-hmm. a little deeper. And check this out: I found a place where we can keep working and be out yeah. of the way of the university. That's a little bit deeper. And then it's like he just <laughs> shoves him off into the deep end where he can drown. Which is okay. We got a corpse here, and I've told this hunchback I'm going to bring it back to life. And you can kind of see the reaction yeah. on Alcazar's on on Vic Winter's face where he's yeah. just like, uh, uh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he flat out says, although, "Why, why, why are you promising? Why are you promising this guy?" Well, I was gonna say that 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 is where uh, as we're going to hear here in our next clip and all that. that at least Tauchner keeps a, a little bit of his wits enough around him to say, "Like, wait a minute, you just you know. <laughs> you're asking something." That, yeah, yeah. So let's listen to this. You haven't yet explained to me, Professor, how you could promise Goto that you could uh, restore the life of this poor girl. You know it's impossible. Impossible, Dr. Talkner, is a word that, as a scientist, should be erased from your vocabulary. Surprisingly enough, I agree. But I don't think that should be important to us. But that poor idiot has confidence in you. It's evident that having killed three people, he can kill again. 
How can you take back your promise? Everything will resolve itself in its own time. Just leave that poor imbecile in my hands. I can handle him. Let's be frank, my dear Talkner. Sometimes science has to use dubious methods. And the end in this case is sufficiently important to justify the means. For me, it's difficult to understand. Come on, Talkner. Get rid of those ridiculous fears of yours once and for all. Success is waiting. And maybe sometime, humanity will be thankful to us. Well, then, the project continues. But Marie worries me. From the very beginning, she wasn't convinced of these experiments. Speak with her. There's no one better than you that can make her comprehend our position. Of course, okay. Maria is Dr. Mayer. Right. As she has multiple names, depending on which <laughs> yeah, depending on which track version. you listen to. <laughs> but I, I love that. You're, okay, you, you, you've got to help me out, and you've got to you got to talk you got to talk your fiance into helping us out too. <laughs> oh Lord. Um, you know the secondary story to this, but behind Goto's stories, that's interest. That's an interesting to me is this whole thing with Toshner. I mean. If you watch it, as these scenes go on, you know, you kind of get the impression of Tasha being fairly malleable in both you know, directions. He's he's fairly easily manipulated by both. But I think it becomes yeah, an interesting, yeah. almost like... I agree. A, almost the doc... You know, he's kind of got this angel-devil kind of thing going on on his shoulders as conscious that basically Dr. Orla represents, you know, the... The, the angel? The, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You knew I was going to... You had to guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Orla, Orla's the devil. I'm and, sorry. Yeah, I'm not, I'm just, I've got, I had to say it, I had to. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and Dr. Meyer is, you know, is obviously the good part of his conscience, but they're sort of warring for his, yeah. you know, for his soul in a way is kind of an interesting little subplot there that yeah, I enjoy. Yeah, it, it is there. really nice. Not, not, and it's not underlined or, or no, you know, no, it isn't, but... it's, it's not like, uh, okay, I'm going to get up on my hobby horse. Mm. It's not like we're in a, in a, in a, in a Spielberg film where suddenly the John Williams score, you know, tells you exactly <laughs> yeah. what you should be thinking. <laughs> right, right, yeah. But, yeah. um. Yeah, 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 you're right. It's exactly correct. It's it's really nice. It's there. And you don't have to see it, but it is obviously there that he is kind of caught between both urges, the yeah. urge to do the right thing that he knows is the right thing and the urge the urge to to try to do something that's a little outside the law yeah. that will benefit mankind and sometimes you do have to step outside. Yeah. Sometimes you have to color outside the lines yeah. or you're not going to get the picture. You're not going to find out the secrets. Well, it's it's you know as as if uh, as if we and, and you know as far as Doctor Orla goes, if you were starting to suspect that you know this guy's a little on the Machiavellian side, he actually goes so far as to say literally the end justifies the means, just so you had no yeah. doubt that he is. It's like I think he may have read some Machiavelli. I believe he has. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay, so um, Tauscher explains to uh, to Doctor Meyer. Mm -hmm. She seems fine with it. Um, she says, "You know how I feel. I'll go along because of you." Yeah. Uh, she worries about unpredictable consequences. I like that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> um, she doesn't trust Orla, she emphasizes once again. Right. And uh, mm -hmm. he is a genius, but he destroys anything in his way. Mm -hmm. Now, all of this dialogue tells you exactly what the hell's going to happen for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Mayer yeah. is not just the angel on his shoulder. Mm. She's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Back in the lab, the whole thing's already set up, all the equipment's laid in place, mm -hmm. and we even have... Including... The acid the bath. The acid bath. The acid bath is never a good sign. Uh, never a good sign in any I lab, but but uh, I, I know that... Uh, I'm <laughs> I have to admit, I would love to have one myself. I would love to have just oh, well, that many. Ever since Curse of Frankenstein, yeah, the, yeah. the first Hammer Frankenstein film, 
where that was, you know, the, as soon as you saw that, you're like, oh, we're serious now. Yeah. <laughs> we screw something up. That thing goes in the acid bath and it's over. We don't have to, we didn't even have well, to pretend it was here. Well, I love uh, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes from this film is this very quotable film is Orlau as he's showing Tauchner the acid bath where he says, is to destroy anatomical parts and organic residuals. That's translation, the fuck-ups. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. Now, here, I, lo- I love this. I love this. Yeah. Here's another small problem with the plot. Yeah. Because we know damn good and well mm-hmm. the cops are looking for Goto. Mm-hmm. But for some genius reason, they've hired three people to help them move all this crap down into there and set up the lab. I love that, too. Suddenly, these two guys... I mean, it's like three how many, guys. Three it's guys. Three it's like, how many of you guys are you going to... Okay, how many people are you going to trust with this super secret right. lab? That's only They're working with this. the hunchback. Yeah. Everybody yeah. in town knows who the hunchback is. Yeah. By now, enough days have gone by that surely everybody Lord knows... Lord knows most of them hate him, you know. Yeah, so... so <laughs> What, who thought it was a good yeah. idea to hire these guys? And, of course, the thing is, you want these three guys in here because it gives us some more people to kill. Yes, and we don't have to wait long. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Goto is, of course, constantly asking Orlo, okay, when are you going to mm. wake When are you going to mm. wake her up? Mm. Goto's out flower hunting in the abbey yeah. when the three helpers who are sitting around <laughs> taking a little break, playing eating, cards, eating yeah. lunch and playing cards, well, and drinking. Yeah. They're bitching about the smell of Ilsa's corpse. And they're just like, hey, to hell with it. Let's just throw her in the acid yeah. bath. And I will say, to their credit, she's not looking real good these days. No, she is deteriorating. <laughs> she's turning a little bit on the black side there. A little yeah, bit the... it's not, she's not looking good. <laughs> so they get up, go to toss her into the acid bath, just as Goto walks back in. And, ooh, that was not a good idea. <laughs> no, it was not. Uh, immediate As I have, my no- I have in my notes here, it says, needless to say, Goto fucks them up real hard. <laughs> <laughs> The it's, it's sometimes very late at night when I'm typing these notes, and I think I even had a had a had a, had a, had a little something medicinal to help me through it in this case. So some of my notes come back to me like, "Why did I write that?" You know. But anyway, I'm sure you well, do the same. Fit, so, yeah. It fits. It's it fits because that's what he does. He sure. does kick the living shit out of these three guys. Um, they've tossed her body in the acid bath. He see, he one walks in to see them follows, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them quickly follows, and then he he. Beats the hell out of one of them down mm. down to the ground and throws the other one in an Iron Maiden Iron and slams, slams the door on him. On him. Uh-huh. Woo, man. He stashes, he, he then drags the two bodies, one out of the Iron Maiden and the other. Uh, he drags them out someplace and stashes them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just as we see Dr. Mayer coming mm-hmm. down into the catacombs for a visit. Yeah, apparently like she's been given, I guess, some sort of map to where she's supposed to go. She has some sort of piece she's of paper, piece of paper hand, but she's she's still, But I don't think it's around. helping much. I think she's still lost. So. Well, she's, of course, you know, getting freaked out by the rats around the place. And uh, Toshner and Orla are in the, are in the lab mm-hmm. dealing with uh, what they're describing as a plasmodial, plasmodial <laughs> cell. Yeah. And they're, and they're really impressed because it's a single-celled organism. Mm-hmm. I love that Toshner goes, this thing is a single cell. And the Orla's like, I know that! <laughs> <laughs> he describes it. He describes this thing yeah. they're working on as an artificial pregnancy yeah. Yeah. or an artificial gestation, depending on mm-hmm. which version of the film you listen to. He, he, seems really, he seems really happy with it. And I guess they really ought to be. I mean, this bizarre pulsing little thing. <laughs> it's kind of cute in a way. It's yeah. kind of cute and unassuming <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and they both remarked that it's odd that the helpers have disappeared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where did Albert go? Albert was the only, it's the only name of one of the helpers yeah, that we get. Like, huh? yeah. 
<laughs> and I love Orla's response to that is our job is difficult enough without difficult enough without <laughs> these other problems. It's like I don't care where these idiots have gone. Which once again just I brings back the point of you're yeah. down there with a guy that cops are looking for, yeah. doing questionable things. <laughs> Why did you bring three guys who have got mm. to be criminals yeah. if you're going to let them do that? I mean, I sort of half expected him to kill them himself after they brought everything down there to keep them quiet. I mean, he certainly seems a character too. capable of doing it or having Goto do it or something like that. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Mayer's <laughs> wandering around the halls, uh, and she spots the two... <laughs> The two helpers this that didn't is go a, on the acid bath. This is a... I, I love this scene. I mean, I just think this is a wonderful... I mean, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre mm-hmm. idea. So, I mean, oh, and just such a great shock effect because... Oh, yeah. First of all, the makeup on them is so great that it's not obvious at first just exactly it's who the they clo- are. It's the, it's the clothing that tells yeah, you. Yeah. And it's... But but obviously, well, yeah, it's amazing what has happened is he has... He's one... The surviving guy. He took the guy that was out of the Iron Maiden and tied him, actually tied him to the the guy that was not dead and so they're they're basically the surviving henchman or surviving well, he, yeah, but the surviving one his eyes have been right have been destroyed so, so he's, he's just blind. wandering blindly with another corpse tied to his back it's wonderful makeup and it's just a great image I mean it's just one of the great images I've, in, in horror movies I think it's just a great effect you know great well, she, she sees this mm-hmm. and of course it freaks her out and she faints and mm-hmm. Goto finds her you know gently wakes her up yeah mm-hmm. and leads her to the lab mm-hmm. uh, he's very nice to her and she that we never really get uh, an interaction between Dr. Meyer and Goto. So we right. don't really see her being nice, but we he, she's definitely not mean to him. Right. She so, knows who he is and she doesn't she's not repulsed by him. She yeah. means she's she you know, she's a little more reserved than the other females and the women in the film, you know, she's yeah. more professional or something, but she's yeah, she's Well she's that not. that is actually one little little bitty detriment that I think the film has. I think I would have liked it to ha- I would like to have had a, a couple of lines of dialogue from her between those between, two. between the two of those characters that gave a sense of her being sympathetic toward him. Mm-hmm. But um, that's a minor thing. Yeah. But in the lab, we have the three doctors now uh, talking about uh, talking about this whole process and what's going on. Doctor Meyer is very concerned, but Orla is talking about how soon the creation will have a definite shape. <laughs> Maybe a human. Human, one. maybe. Yeah, yeah. See, that's and she even uh, and she even says some. I don't think I've got the exact line, but she even says something to the effect of, "So you really actually don't know what it's going to become, you know?" Right, right, right. <laughs> and you almost expect her to kind of half look at the screen and like, you know, does this sound like a well, good but, idea but, to you folks? Yeah, there, but then, you or, then basically Orla goes, "I know what I'm doing." <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a snip. He's a snippy yeah. guy. Yeah. He's, he's got, <laughs> but what I love is you have this at this point. This is where we have the um, the big glass jar yeah, that yeah. this thing is growing in he drops a live frog, frog into it, it. it's like you know? organic matter for it to continue growing <laughs> I, I love this because no, it, it only it only gets more psycho from here yeah, yeah. because this big jar of stuff it, it only gets crazier looking from here on out it's mm-hmm. just awesome we, we have poor, poor sad Goto he, he now wants to quit He's talking to Orla one on one. Yeah, they're they're together mm-hmm. in the lab, just uh, the two of them. Mm-hmm. He he wants to quit. All the heart's gone out of him because, of course, Elsa's body's been destroyed, and he really does. The only reason mm-hmm. he was doing this was mm-hmm. for her. Yeah, we'll let you hear it here. What are you doing in here, Goto? I've been looking for you all over the laboratory. Time's running short. You know that, Professor. I'm grateful for what you've done for me, but... But what? I don't understand you. Well, I don't want to go on working here. But you promised to help me, Goto. It was because... because of Elsa. 
Only because of her. And now, she's completely dead. You mustn't leave here. The experiments are rapidly increasing. Godo, you must realize I can still help you. I don't need you now. Thanks, Professor. I've been thinking of giving myself up to the police. But they'll hang you, Goto. The police are looking for you for the killing of those hospital stewards. That's not important to me now. Without Ilsa, everything for me is finished. You shouldn't be so sad, Goto. Soon you'll be having a new Ilsa. I'll create one for you. You do that for me, Professor? Like Ilsa was? Just trust me, Goto. Just trust me. All right. What must I do? Just have confidence in me and help me with everything. Tonight you must go to the morgue. There's a fresh body there. You must get its head for me. Give yeah. it up for Dr. Orla. First of all, I have to say, are we too, are we too highbrow on the show to make the obvious jokes about the professor needing the needing head? We, <laughs> if we are, then we'll, oh, that's, we'll, that's... we'll we'll strike it from the record if we oh, are. But, but yeah, I, I not too highbrow, but I have to admit that one went by me. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a great scene. Yeah, I love the way that that Orla visibly like you see it come over his face when and in the jaws of when he's just about to 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 lose. You oh know, yeah, yeah. You really you almost see it come in his face. Like I know what I'll do. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'll make you know, I'll, I'll, I, I know I'll create to... you a whole new Ilsa. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And while I'm at it, I'll cure cancer. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love uh, Goto's I love the way his you know, this great dialogue through the way that his obviously his childlike mind works. I just love the matter of fact when when he's when he's saying, But Goto, you promised to help me and, and I would help you and Goto's like, I, I don't need your help now, thanks. You know, and yeah, he's no, just in, like, he's not saying it to be mean, he's just to him it's just practical. It's like I don't need you anymore, Professor, you can't help me anymore and you yeah, know you can't so, really do anything anymore. And he's just gonna give himself to police because he's just like, you know, why should I live? I don't care if they hang me. Well, so he but he Orla still manages to convince him to yes, keep working with him and yeah. sends him off to the morgue. He breaks into the morgue under cover of night and saws off an old man's head. By the way, yes, that's a real corpse. That is a real corpse. That is not. It was yeah. She said he had. To, I think he said he had to have a couple of drinks before he. Yeah, he had a couple, that a couple of shots of whiskey before he did this scene because he's actually manipulating a real corpse. He didn't really chop Chucked a real it. corpse's head off, but he was mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. You know, when he pulls back that sheet, that's a real corpse, and yeah. when he puts that weapon against the that saw against the throat, that's yeah. the real body. And apparently, they were actually going to let him saw the head off, but he just couldn't do it, and so they created it. And he talks about how great the they actually create a great fake head. That really is a very good, nicely a looking, prop. yeah, prop. Yeah. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, but he actually would have been allowed to cut the head off had he been allowed, had he been able to go through with it. Uh, but he gets the head just fine. But then, as he's leaving, he's spotted by the local gendarmes. The, the cops, uh, mm-hmm. the, the the cops spot him as he leaves the morgue, and they chase him. Uh, he runs. He's he's running through the streets and climbs up and is running across the uh, tops of the buildings, trying to get away from them. Great, great stuff here. And he escapes by climbing into Dr. Elke's house again. And she hides him. When the cops come to look for him, uh, they come to the door and explain that, you know, this this guy was mm-hmm. this guy was around here. We're chasing this guy. She tells him, nobody's here. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And they leave. And Goto comes out and has overheard this. And, and she explains that she admires the love that he had for Ilsa. And it's obvious that she really is overly, really, really sympathetic toward yeah. him. At first, Goto fears that she's really just making fun of him mm-hmm. because no one can love me. Right. Well, Dr. Elke proves that's not 
necessarily true because, uh, well, she, she says, goodness and love surpass beauty. Mm-hmm. He kisses her feet again. Yeah. And apparently that really turns her on because <laughs> it's time for yeah. some sex for Goto. <laughs> um, you you, you got to kind of be impressed. Yeah. I mean... Now, now I think this. Now, this time it's not really to his next. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, right here. That she just kisses him, but uh, but yeah, it's it's on the way. Uh, well, uh, actually, maybe they do have sex. It yeah, just doesn't. Do. This is not where it actually overtly, or we know they do. I think in in this case, yeah. is she it ends with just the kissing. Uh, but uh, the, the feet thing. Yeah. The, uh, later on, back in the uh, back in the ruins with the head. He he he, t- he takes it down to the lab, and uh, the good old doctor <laughs> dumps. <laughs> just, it, okay, now we have the giant glass vat and just, with this thing growing in it, yeah. and it's growing. It's almost reaching the top of this thing, and he just dumps the head in the vat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now he's it's insane, <laughs> but I, I love that it gets across the idea that he's pushing, which is that this thing absorbs mm. whatever organic material you give it. So let's give it a live frog. Let's give it a let's yeah. give it a severed head, <laughs> in the hopes that it might take shape as something vaguely human. Here. Well, yeah, I know. It's going to be a frog human, or what's going gonna... <sighs> to? And then um, we have Doctor Orla and his pet hunchback out digging up more bodies. Yeah. Well, this they, just screams at one point, Frankenstein. Well, one point, well, one point, Orla is having one of his tantrums. You know, he gets mad because <laughs> he talks about how. It's not working. It's not no longer absorbing dead. Like it won't. It won't feed up dead dead flesh anymore. Yeah. Uh, um, so it's well. It's not dead flesh. It's that it can't be dead flesh because then they wouldn't go dead damn bodies. There's something about there was there was some. Some, I can't. I can't remember when he says that. No, 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 no. I'm, he, he I'm he, getting he now. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, he, he that conclusion that. comes later on because, because they go to dig up more dead bodies. Right, here. right. Later they find out that it the, stops. But yeah. the, but or- Orla's babbling away while, of course, the hunchback works. Yeah, Orla's basic running line now becomes more, more. Must have more food. Yeah. you know, for the pet, <laughs> for so, the for the thing yeah. in the jar. Yeah, uh, the cops find them digging up digging up graves, and Goto whacks this cop with his shovel. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and is and is really remorseful about it. I mean, yeah, it's a, this it's upsets a, him. Yeah, because yeah, once they, after, it's, as crazy as he is, you know, Go, Goto still is not a naturally murderous person you know even though obviously murdering comes easy to him when he's enraged but he didn't actually want to kill this you know he's actually really upset that he killed this policeman of course orla's like doesn't care at all he's like hey more food more food really really we have a really quick scene uh after the graveyard scene where uh orla's going batshit about the cellular growth has stopped yeah here's where he knows that now we need living flesh they've got to feed him live stuff yeah and then we go to the cops visiting orla's house again looking for goto Mm mm-hmm they now they now think they're they need to tie in this grave robbing that's going on, mm-hmm. and uh, Orla, Orla tosses out the idea. Well, well, no, one of the other cops tosses out the idea of uh, well, maybe the grave robbers are just looking for jewelry. Yeah, and they even asked the doctor if he's been offered any corpses lately, and he acts all indignant, like, "No, that's illegal. I wouldn't do that. I would you never know? do that." Yeah, but uh, <laughs> and then the cops say uh, sometimes scientists ignore the law. <laughs> And Orla, 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 Orla gets all confessional with them, you know, being the, the very smart guy that he is, and tells them that my work is at a standstill right now, so it's not like I could even use yep, anything. Yeah, so. he's sharp. Okay. He's a sharp, sharp mm-hmm. guy. Uh, we should mention, uh, at some point or another, the, the lead cop is played by... A oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Blah, 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 Manuel de Blas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ma- Manuel de Blas. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, this guy's still working. And we should point out he's he's got a mustache in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the lead cop, and uh, he played he played Ernest Ernest Knoll 
And I hate my body. He yeah, was the uh, he he's the guy think. whose brain gets put yeah. into the to the hot babe's body. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I hate my body. Um, and played in a number of other films that uh, we've mentioned here, there, and yon. But I love mm-hmm. the fact that mm-hmm. without even realizing that we were doing it, we put we did two films back to back where he then plays he, a central role. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That was very cool. So, um, okay, the uh, we're back down in the lab, and the jar. Yeah, he, <laughs> the jar is so full. It's, yeah, it's it's junior. Junior's outgrowing his home, basically. <laughs> <laughs> junior needs a bigger room. Yeah. <laughs> so and it's gotten so out of control that Orla actually has Goto wheel the jar into one of the jail cells and lock it. He locks it up. Just as it, I mean, it literally shuts the door. Just as the thing, obviously, whatever's in, just breaks out of its jar. You hear the jar just, you know, uh-huh. smash that it's it's it comes out of its jar as soon as they shut the door on it. So well, now well, they have it locked in a cell. So he's got, yeah, he's got it locked into a dungeon cell. It, mm-hmm. It's broken the tank. It's like, oh my God! So from here on, anytime that the creature—I mean, you, we, we now start hearing the creature as the film goes on, and people opening that little door and looking, <laughs> you know, lo- looking through the looking through the the cell door, going, "Oh wow, okay, yes, yeah. that's, that's good." <laughs> uh, well, uh, Tauchner and Doctor Meyer are at breakfast. Yeah, and uh, Tauchner is defending Orla, saying, "Well, yeah, he's created life, mm-hmm. but." Dr. Meyer's got a good point, which was, what's the cost? I mean, he's doing this at yeah. the cost of human lives. Yeah, they have a really nice in-depth discussion here over this whole problem with Dr. Orla. Maria, you must try and understand. The experiment was successful. And Dr. Orla, for the first time in the history of biology, has created an artificial life. Mm-hmm. It was successful. A triumph for science. I never denied the scientific value of Orla. But what was the cost? I don't understand you. What do you mean? What was the cost? You're a scientist, and you should know. The cost was sacrifice, nights without sleeping, a lot of hard work. And something more, Frederick. The lives of humans. How many people must have died for the success of Orla? But he wasn't responsible. You know that. That was the work of a lunatic. Yes, of Gotto. Under Orla's protection. And he keeps lying to him, so Gotto will continue working for him. Can't you see that? Orla's not trying to save humanity. Nothing but his personal pride. Or it could be something more. The ambition, the ambition for power that motivates his experiments. But he says, thanks to his experiments, it'll be possible to save many lives. That's not true, and even if it were, you mustn't save one life by destroying others. No, morality stands above science. That's true, but what can we possibly do? Abandon the project. I beg you, Frederick. You can continue, darling. All these crimes of the hunchback are in reality crimes of Orla. He's the only one responsible. That's certain. Believe me, he's finished lying to us. But now we can't continue with him. We'll not be partners in this if we're not already of all this horror he's created. I'm happy that you finally understood. Ah, oh, the angel on his shoulder. It's it's say, as we say, Tochner's a little on the uh, <laughs> easily manipulated side here, but I, in this I, case, I think your word "malleable" fits. Yeah, yeah, know? I think so. He's, 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 he can he can sort of be talked into and out of anything, but uh, but well, what I love is the next scene. He's down in the lab talking to Orla, and has obviously said, "Hey, look, man, I'm out of here." Yeah, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> and Orla starts working on him. Don't abandon yeah. the work <laughs> of a lifetime. Yeah, but this work is stained in blood. And I love Orla's whole reaction, which is, what else can I do? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody, yeah. He, yeah. he talks yeah. as if someone held a gun to his head and forced him. <laughs> okay, get your ass in the lab. Kill people. Yeah. Use the hunchback. Make the hunchback kill. <laughs> what What else could I do? Oh, man. 
it's just it's ridiculous. I, I well, not ridiculous in a bad bad way, but ridiculous. The the mad scientist the mad scientist mind, which is just yeah. so gorgeous. Oh, it is in it's, its, it's intricacies. It's yeah. just it's. What what yeah. can I do? I, 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 I absolutely love it. Well, and when I love it where at some point they always turn that corner between, but what I'm doing could ultimately benefit mankind to finally I, I will trample the world beneath my feet and they'll bow to me. You know, it's just, you know, there's always that point where they just, you know, it, 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 you know we've seen it, we saw it in the last film, Fear of the Wolfman, you know, it's, it's always that point where it starts out, you know, you know, it's for it's you know it's it's for the hope of hand mankind. Well, I, just... well, it's reminding me that uh, David Skull wrote a, a book about uh, mad scientists and horror films, and uh, I read it several years ago. Man, mm-hmm. a good long while back when it was first published, and now it's making me want to. I've still got it. I need mm-hmm. to pull it back out and go back through it. Mm-hmm. We we've covered so many films now with mad scientist yeah. characters yeah. that there's a part of me that wants to go back and kind of have a refresher course in the history of mad scientists yeah. Yeah, and films. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're so they're so much fun and it, oh, it's, yeah. it's such they're a beautiful right. thing to watch them because mm-hmm. there 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 are these pure motives underlying. It's right. it's not like a dictator character or right, a, right. or a serial murderer. Yep. You know, mad scientist's initial impulse mm-hmm. is to you know essentially better mankind, and that's yeah. the that's the whole crux of the mad scientist character. Is his initial sure. impulse is to is to exactly. is to attempt to to better mankind and to mm. better man's position to to cure disease to to do all these things that will improve the human condition. Mm. <laughs> he just goes batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I love it. I, I especially love the films where it's obvious that it's the work that drove them nuts. Yeah, yeah. You know, wallowing in you know mm. the things that they have to do for a particular subject yeah. is what drives them crazy. But, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. Dr. Tauschner is not having any of this. He's definitely he's definitely going with the with the angel here and right. there's and a hey, fight. It's Maria Percy, I would too. You know? Oh god, yeah. The cho- <laughs> if the choice is between don't get me wrong, Mr. Dalbus, you're a you're a hell of an actor. But yeah. <laughs> Maria Percy asks me anything, especially when she's walking around in those uh those nice pleated skirts. Yeah, oh man. Oh man, she gets my vote every time. <laughs> but we have a fight mm-hmm. and uh he uh he shoves uh, Dr. Tauschner shoves Orla away. Mm-hmm. And uh, punches Goto, which was his mistake. Cause yeah, then, not a good then Goto idea. defends himself by whacking him over the head. And he's, he was gonna he was gonna throw him in the acid bath. Goto was gonna toss yeah, him, was. Was just, unconscious yeah. body in the acid bath. And and uh, Orlis is no 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 he, lock him up. Yeah. I need him. Yeah. <laughs> now at that point, your question has to be: Is he need him for? Is he need fresh corpse? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or does he need, like need him and his and his as, and his, his mental his capabilities? Or, yeah. You know? At that, this point, you're really not sure. Yeah. yeah. Goto sneaks uh, into the reformatory because mm-hmm. yeah, because now he's been told that he's got to get live flesh. Yep, and uh, he 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 smothers a girl ju- just enough to knock her out and hauls her back mm-hmm. to the lab. Uh, I love she she wakes up just as she's about to be tossed into the dungeon cell with this <laughs> yeah. this creature starts screaming, tosses her in there. Yeah. We don't we don't see what's going on, but we hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know once again you know here they're using the I think making the very smart choice of you know of, of letting the people's imagination kind of run away with them as far as all we hear yeah. are these horrible sounds this monster makes and just imagine what's happening to this poor girl. I love the fact that we don't see the creature until the very end. It's, it's a smart choice. <laughs> it but is it, very smart. It is choice. interesting if you notice that one of the few extras on this uh, DVD of Hunchback are some of the the press materials, and you can see that they obviously did at least take pictures of this creature inside that dungeon cell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if they knew until they edited the movie together whether or not they were going to wait yeah. till the end to show the creature. Uh, it's, and it's I think very, it's so effective yeah, to done wise that. Way to go. Wise choice there. Wise choice. Goto is at this point visits Doctor Elki again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, she warns him that he has to stay away. That the the cops are looking for him. He fears that she's really just still making fun of him. She insists that she isn't. 
Uh, and they discuss the fact that Ilsa never really loved Goto, mm. and he knows this, but he feels as if he's kind of cheating on her by being with Dr. Elke. You shouldn't have come to see me, Goto. You're putting yourself in danger. And I don't want anything to go wrong because of me. I wanted to see you again. But if you want me to leave, I'll go. That's not yet, Goto. I'm just afraid the police will find you. They've been looking for you everywhere. I don't believe you. No one's been interested for me in my life. If it wasn't for what you've already done, I'd believe you was just trying to make fun of me. Tell me, why should I make fun of you? Because of your physical defects? Everyone does. Only Ilsa treated me real nice. But she never loved me. And you? Are you still in love with her? Yes. And I'm scared that if I'm here with you, it wouldn't be fair to her. I'm quite certain that if she were able to see us, she wouldn't disapprove. Sex scene. Yes, that swelling of music at the end of that clip uh, is exactly what you think it is, and uh, leading to amorous activity. Uh, just a flash of nudity from the beloved uh, Rosanna Yanni. Um, this is the scene that's kind of famous among aficionados mm-hmm. for this movie, where there was, of course, a nude version and a clothed version. And as a matter of fact, there was a full nude version where you also saw the naked hump mm-hmm. uh, in the finished film. Uh, the woman we, gets we naked. Mean his, we mean the one on his back. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you got me there. Oh, you bastard. Uh, yes, yes. We were supposed to see the naked hairy hump on mm-hmm. Nashi's back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there are some stills of it that you can mm-hmm. see, you can find out there. That was apparently not going to fly. And the really horrible thing we learned from the commentary track is that that version of the scene was apparently not just cut out of the film and yeah. replaced, but apparently destroyed and burned. Burned. And now, now, what does this say about how 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 little how you know how very little progress has you know been made or you know in, in, in as far as just people's attitudes? You think about this, and this whole film you know is about how horrible people treat, how repulsed they are by this innocent you know this this harmless or this kind you know, character, this hunchback here, when it comes to this scene here, they didn't cut the scene because it had nudity in it, because in the version we see in the film, Rosanna Yanni is still nude. Yeah. It's, what what repulsed them was the fact that, no, we we have to look, we don't, you know, we we can't stand the thought of this... This deformed thing. ...person being able, you know, it's just like, yeah, Yeah. great, that really says a lot about (laughs) about people's attitudes, you know, at the time, but um, I love my, I do love what my... uh, Older brother said uh, after he first watched his film is when he was talking about it, he said he said only Paul Nashie can play a hunchback and still score with you know with, with, <laughs> with Rosetta Young yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's it's so true it's so true and that's back years ago when I first saw this film when I bought a bootleg of it um, that was the amazing thing because I'd seen a, I'd seen enough Nashie films by then to to mm-hmm. know that eventually mm-hmm. Nashie's going to get laid You're right yeah right. No matter what character he plays, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I really was not expecting this hunchback to get laid. You think surely this time will be, you know, this this will happen? But it's a uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I know it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of, it's a bit of a wow. It, it is. I will say this though. It it really though adds a lot to the ultimate. Obviously, this is a tragic story, tragic movie. It does add a lot to the yeah. personal tragedy of the character. The very fact that he he could have 
you know, he's so obsessed with, with Ilsa, and he's so, and of course he, he doubts so much his own ability to be loved, but he's so yeah. obsessed with having, you know, this impossible dream of having Ilsa back, and yet he has someone who actually loves him, you know, right, right yeah. in front of him, and, and it, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not it's enough, not, which is a, it's not clear to him. It's not all. clear to him, and it's just, it's a, that I think adds a lot of, of however far-fetched you may... Well, how much, some, depending on how much credence you want to exactly, give to Exactly, how much you let yourself story, go yeah. with the story, but I think it adds a lot of a real tragic element to the story. I think you're right. Well, the next day, Doctor Elke informs Doctor Meyer that uh, Marlene, one of the uh, one of the sadomasochistic twins, <laughs> yeah. uh, is missing. And of course, that's the one that the hunchback stole. Mm-hmm. But of course, she doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meyer Mayer immediately goes, "Could the hunchback be involved in this?" And and Doctor Elke is immediately in the negative on that. Yeah. One. <laughs> no, <laughs> especially since he's. Uh, but we better call. Especially the since he's uh, at home and sleeping in my bed right now. It's like, <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, since I just had sex with him last night, I really don't think he had time to go out and find a dead, you know, to, 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 to kidnap some woman. Uh-huh. But they they agree they need to contact the police, and Doctor Mayer is going to do that. But before she does, Doctor Mayer decides to go down to the lab to talk to Talkner mm-hmm. to talk to her fiance. God, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> uh, because she can't find him. Dr. Orlis explains that, uh, I, I don't know where he is. I haven't seen him for a few days. Mm-hmm. Dr. Mayer confronts him and says, I know you snatched this missing girl out of the reformatory and you mm-hmm. had the hunchback do it and mm-hmm. I'm going to the police. Mm-hmm. Orla, who's very wily, mm-hmm. very slick. I love this. Look, you can work with me or I won't let you leave this lab. Mm-hmm. I need living human flesh in abundance and that trash you've got up there in that in your facility can actually be put to use. I love it. He's like he's like you know they're not doing anybody good. I mean they're they're flogging each other for Christ's sake. I know they're it's garbage. Like... They're human garbage. Come on, let's put them to some good use here. Uh, and and then she still refuses and she he says okay do it or your fiance dies. I'm going to kill yeah, Doctor Dow. Yeah. I love the way he did. It. I think he also proudly shows off his creature to her. You oh, know? I know like she gets she... to look at the creature. That's true. Yeah, she's just you know. <laughs> oh, this is where he says it becomes what it eats. Yeah, <laughs> and it's now it's just eating. Don't it. make the obvious. Uh, I know, I know. I'm yeah. I will. I will All go right, with that. it's 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 less low hanging fruit. You know, it's passing by. <laughs> okay. Well, he, you know, he makes you know he makes mistake of turning his back on her. Oh yeah, yeah, and she. I love that she clocks sh- him with a crowbar, which I think is great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she whacks the shit out of him. That was not his smartest move to turn no, his back on this woman. <laughs> oh Lord. She well, may be the she may be an angel, but she can wield wield a crowbar. Well, yeah. she she goes running out of there and start and starts looking around, calling out, trying to find, find, find uh, yeah, Doctor Thompsoner. And uh, we get a jump scare as Go- as Goto finds her, mm-hmm. and then we cut to Doctor Elke talking with cops, mm-hmm. explaining that uh, we've got two missing girls now, mm-hmm. and Doctor Meyer was supposed to contact you people, but she's gone missing now. Yeah, cops ask Doctor Elke, "Why didn't you call sooner?" And she's like, "Well, I thought." Dr. Mayer was contacting you. Mm-hmm. And she did. I mean, that's yeah. she's not she's not making crap up here. Then we see the cops talking but, to Dr. Orla here, in his home. Here's again. somebody who is making up some crap. Yeah, here's somebody making some shit up. Uh, Dr. Orla is at home, and the cops are talking to him again. He's got a bandage. He's got a big bandage on the back of his head, and explains that uh, he's been he's been robbed. Yeah. Recently, and that uh, he hadn't had time to report it to the police because <laughs> I've just been so busy. Yeah. Even though he did recently tell them that his work's at a standstill, so his story is starting mm. to show cracks. If anybody's paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. He tells them uh, they're, they're wanting to know if he's seen Dr. Tauchner, and he he says, I haven't seen him for days. And mm-hmm. by the way, I think mm-hmm. he was planning to take a trip, some mm-hmm. kind of family business. Right. Uh, maybe uh, Dr. Meyer went with him. I, I don't know. I, 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 why are you looking at me? I, I, 
Sounds good to the police. And there yeah, the cops know. are like, yep, somebody like Dr. Orla wouldn't lie to us. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, of course, uh, Goto is uh, getting his hands on another reform school girl. Mm. I had to. I, had I think to it's Ava he gets next. Uh, yeah, the reform I, school girl. I, I, like I had to use school. the phrase reform, reform school girl. Reform school girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in the movie, but uh, I like it. I, I like, like it. <laughs> Drags her down to the lab. Mm-hmm. Here we're back in the lab, man. You can hear the creature behind the door making all these. Yeah. It, it, it he sounds he sounds. I'll be honest. There are times when the creature sounds like a fat frat boy vomiting. Okay, <laughs> uh, that's what it's. It sounds like someone doing a constant vomit. Thing. He's, he's really not sounding. It's not a healthy sound. This thing makes. Maybe he's been feeding him some of those uh, students from the tavern there. You know, <laughs> after their drinking games or something. <laughs> oh, a little beer with your human flesh. <laughs> Or <laughs> Orla uh, is thrilled because apparently the creature is up and moving around, and really, really, he's he's thrilled with the the progress there behind the door that he won't go behind that he won't go into. Since there are some starts sometimes though we start to see a little bit of a look of worry on Orla's face as the creature really gets wound up. I think like he's slightly starting to get a little stressed himself about this uh, thing that's growing right behind yeah, there. But yeah, there, there's a, there's a little bit of fear. He still thinks he's in control, but yeah, well, he's he's trying to pretend like he's in control anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sent, he sends Goto out for more flesh. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this is the, and uh, so Goto goes and grabs his next victim. This is the chick in the in the shower. The shower. Or he, he grabs her. It's a done in silhouette, really nice behind the shower. Mm-hmm. There was probably a there might have been an unclothed version of this film. There may be, maybe maybe not. Been. I mean, definitely we don't get that here. She just, I would I would bet that there is because there's always mm-hmm. at least two scenes in, yeah. in in one of these movies where there's some nude right. some nudity. Back in the lab, the creature is restless, and boy, I mean, he really he sounds like someone vomiting. Yeah. That's the noises that he's making. He's worshiping at the porcelain dungeon altar. I don't know. Uh, Elkie sees Goto uh, carrying this particular uh, his next girl away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she he, actually sees him go down in the the trap door. The trap door the back there, and she follows him. And just as an aside, I really like the shot of Rosanna Yanni climbing down that ladder. Yeah, it's because she's got. Fine, fine legs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wow. Admit, I admit my DVD player mysteriously froze up several times during that uh, scene there. <laughs> Please, someone, get, get us a well-processed Blu-ray of this film so that I can stare longingly at the legs of Maria Pershi <laughs> and Rosanna Yanni as <laughs> presented in this film. Oh, man. Oh, sorry. Now back on, back on track. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Mayer is locked in. Speaking of Maria Pershi. Mm-hmm. She's locked in a cell. Uh, Goto, not the same one as she's not locked in with her fiance. They're separate. No, they're, they're locked in separate cells. And uh, Goto brings her some food, and she tries to talk reason with him, but uh, mm-hmm. no go here. He's just not. He's just not willing to go along with her. Although you can see that he's sympathetic to her. He, yeah, he, he is. really he's not, not mean about he, it. He's, he's just not mean like, about it. But look, he's like, this is. I'm going to get my new Elsa, and that's that's you know that's yeah. I got to keep going doing what I'm doing. And we see uh, Doctor Elke sneaking around mm-hmm. down in the catacombs. You know, mm-hmm. trying to find something, anything, because she knows she knows something's going on down here. Orla is talking to Toucher at this point. And he's trying to convince him to go along. Look, you got it. You got to cooperate here. My very favorite, actually, speech from from Orla's here. Oh my, I love this one too. Listen to me for the last time. We have the greatest discovery in scientific history. There's something more than just biology in this. The creature is a primordial. It was a being that habitated the Earth much earlier than man. Its prototype is the oldest in history. The books of the Dark Ages on Necromia and theses written on alchemy and magic are just full of references of this type of creature. And I, I, Dr. Orla, have given one the opportunity to manifest itself in the form of an artificial life. 
A very interesting story, but it's absolutely unimportant to me. This creature, because it's only a child, is the bear of secrets of all forgotten civilizations. And we're going to reveal these secrets, my dear Talkner. We're going to reveal all. Just imagine the world will be at our feet. Maria and I will not be part of your madness, Dr. Orla. It would only add another crime to those already existing. All right. Then you two obligate me to do this. You will serve as nourishment for the primordial. more food go to it needs more food sounds to me like it needs maybe some uh, uh some uh, you know rollades or something or just, <laughs> tell me that does not sound like a frat boy vomiting <laughs> you're right it, it does <laughs> now i should know i should point out that as as he's babbling about uh, all these ancient texts yes in the spanish version he mentions the ne- necronomicon yeah he does here he just says like necromia or some weird word like oh, that yeah, on, yeah on necronia ne- necrosis or, or ne- yeah well, well no it, it is yeah it's in the su- and in the subtitles too it says necronomicon yes ne- that's definitely what the at least the spanish version he says necronomicon mm-hmm. which immediately of course tells well, you hey i'm referencing lo- i'm referencing lovecraft and this i this is and that's my all-time favorite writer and i'm in just i was i'm in sheer heaven you know just it was sheer pleasure for me to just see the home lovecraft thing come into it. I mean, well, no, it's no, like no, wait a minute. That's interesting. I, 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 we've never discussed, you know, your favorite writer of all time. I had no idea. Yeah. Love, I knew you liked Lovecraft, yeah. but I had no idea yeah. you called him. He's Lovecraft actually my favorite, favorite writer. writer. Now, I want to clarify. I'm not saying he's, I don't think he's by any means the greatest writer in terms of technically no, no, greatest you're just writer. talking about your favorite. Sheer that's favorite, yeah. Thing. I just think that's, he was, I think he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovecraft's actually my favorite. And, and so obviously I'm, I'm just in all kinds of happy here when we throw Lovecraft into the mix here. You know, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's great. Yeah, uh, and it fits. I mean, it definitely, I mean, and, and, Nashi talks about it on his on the audio commentary. It's it's actually uh, to me uh, this this whole element of this creature that's been grown from the cell and this growing these organs growing this creature. It sort of has a what one of the things that I think is really interesting about this is um, let's just talk a second about the 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 fact that you know Lovecraft now is is much more or closer to closest to being a household name more as at least as far among horror fans because nowadays you know after we've had. A lot of movies based on Lovecraft. We've had, you know, of course, there's plush Cthulhu's everywhere. You know, Cthulhu. Everybody, you know, most everybody who's into horror at least knows what Cthulhu is. Yeah. Lovecraft has been referenced now by so much that uh, he's he's generally well known. Uh, but that was not. I'd say, I'd say he's he's a general part. Still of a cult, cult figure, pop, but I think anybody who's into culture to a degree, yeah. I guess. But you could definitely not. You couldn't really say that in the early seventies. Um, no, no, not at all. You know, there had been a couple of adaptations. Obviously, there was had already been some movie adaptations. You know, the show Night Gallery had adopted some Lovecraft stories, and then. But other than that, you know, in the back of Famous Monsters, you'd always see those. That's that series of paperbacks collections of Lovecraft yeah. Yeah. Uh, would be advertised there. But in in general, you know, I think it's it really shows how well-read Nashi was and the depth of his research and reading because in the early 70s, Lovecraft was very, very much uh, kind of had fallen into obscurity. Uh, and so it uh, was really impressive to me to see overt references to him in a movie from that time. It's, it's really interesting. It, it, it is fascinating. And, it, and it, it's one of those things where... So frequently, in a Lovecraftian adaptation, a straight adaptation of one of his stories, tends to either miss the mark or or, yes. or they have to they have to do something with the material because a lot of what he's written is kind of unfilmable, and that's part of it because the, yeah, the, so much so much of his stories are about the how something is so horrible that the very sight of it drives you mad. Yeah, and so that becomes something completely impossible to 
mm-hmm. translate to a visual medium. Mm-hmm. So, in a lot of ways, some of the best Lovecraft films are films that essentially are Lovecraft inspired. Right. They're not based directly on yeah. a Lovecraft story. They just have that. <clears throat> in now there are some good ones. Um, yeah. I, I think The Resurrected is a hell of a film. The Resurrected is terrific. And yeah. uh, there are a number of others that I could point to and say, mm-hmm. while not yeah. great adaptations of stories, are very much yeah. neat Lovecraft yeah. tales. I mean, Reanimator is a blast, but mm-hmm. I mean, it takes her, you know <laughs> Herbert West Reanimator, and while telling that story, ramps it up. Oh yeah, you know, ramps yeah. it up <clears throat> to ten. Well, and interestingly, the Reanimator had always been considered one of Lovecraft's lesser. Tales, and it's interesting that that's really one of the probably the two stories that inspired that to me. This uh, here in Hunchback of the Morgue, the Lovecraft stories that it makes me think the most of are the Reanimator and then uh, um, the case of Charles Dexter Ward, uh, which is also what the Resurrected is based on. And my God, if Del Toro ever does the Mountains of Madness, I'm just like drooling over that. If he ever does that, it's going to be magnificent. There's some word about some movement on that, so maybe that'll happen. But um, But yeah, but but you're right. They kind of, uh, Klamowski and, and, uh, I mean, not Klamowski, sorry, Aguirre, we haven't even mentioned him yet, the guy who directed uh, this film, Javier Aguirre and Nashi really get that whole thing about Lovecraft here, that the fact, like you said, the very wise choice of waiting, holding back, showing the creature so much and not showing what it's doing behind yeah. the cell and all these creatures and understood that the letting the viewer's imagination you know take over so anyway yeah so i'm just i was just really really knocked out by that part of the story I thought okay really so we left off with baby screaming for food yes uh dr yes. elkie's still wandering around and she finds the two dead helpers uh that are tied together and she yeah. screams and faints mm-hmm. uh, the screaming and fainting thing that's that's pretty much standard par for the course here <laughs> yeah uh they hear her scream. Mm-hmm. Orla sends Goto after her, mm-hmm. and uh, he shoos the rats away from her. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and and, and, and once again, <laughs> puts the torch to him, actually, in this scene yeah. as well. Yeah, and he's... I, to be honest, these shots of the rats being burned look like reused shots oh, of the rats being burned. They, yeah, they they because because it doesn't really match no. the corridor that they're in. It looks very much like the shots that were used earlier in the film. Yeah, well, I doubt that Nashi was willing to do another scene with the rats after that one. Oh, no <laughs> kidding, man. You're going to get one, you're going to get that one one time out of any any actor, I think. Yeah. Uh, so he carries Doctor Elke back to the lab, and uh, Orla's Orla's telling him, "Look, if we don't give give it to to the creature, the if we don't give it give her to the creature as food, then it'll destroy us all." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Why didn't you think of this before?" <laughs> yeah, I know. It's apparently at the rate this thing eats, I mean, he would be having to, you know, go yeah, out and kill, like he'd have to gas the whole town or something, <laughs> and like you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, obviously Goto refuses to feed yeah. Elkie to the creature. It's this really is kinda... actually kind of the point where 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 Goto kind of snaps back, uh, snaps see, back into reason, uh, kind of here at the very well, last. I will just say, mm-hmm. and I, I know this from personal experience, mm-hmm. that it's very hard to murder a woman you've had sex with. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Ma- no matter how yeah. much you might yeah. want to, <laughs> no, and no matter how much you, you a... know, no matter how much it excites you to to, that, that, to provide that, nourishment for an ancient one. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's a joke. It. That's a but, joke, yeah. people. That's a joke, really. <laughs> I was just joking. But, okay, so he's not going to do it. But, yeah, he is starting away as like, hmm, let's see, uh, you know, Rosanna Yanni, listening to your ranting all day. It's <laughs> listening I, to your batshit craziness. I think I, I think I can make a choice here. And, plus, yeah. also, I think he's just not real crazy about the idea of feeding uh, Dr. Tochner and Dr. Meyer to the creature either. You yeah, know, because he actually likes both well. of them. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, these are not bad people. They have not treated they, they have not treated him bad in yeah. any way, shape, or form. But I think you get this point point realizes, like, hey, I've been played here, you know. Yeah. I've but, been a sucker. So Orla whips out a gun and shoots Goto mm-hmm. in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this this tells Goto really all he needs to know. Yeah, yeah. And he starts slapping him around, and we have a... 
a fight between the two. I will say it is actually Orla gives gives better than than anybody else in the film. He actually I puts up a pretty good. Yeah, he's he's actually he actually got some moves on him. It's a pretty good fight there. He holds his own pretty well for a while. And I love the fact that this 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 whole fight is framed with uh, the long shot of the fight has uh, Doctor Elkie in the bottom of the frame laid out on that table unconscious, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it frames the fight. And, and what I love is that. You're, you're, you see her, she's in focus, you see the fight behind her, yeah. and it's like, this is what the fight is over. This is what broke it. This yeah. is what yeah. caused this nice fight framing. to happen. Like it's that. really nicely done. That's very cool. And of course, finally, Goto gets the upper hand and shoves Orla into the electrical panel of, mm. of some of the machinery behind him, and he collapses on collapses on the floor. Yeah, knocks him out. Really. Now, here's the thing. I suspect that that was a flubbed shot. No, really. Uh, not the shot itself, but I, I'll bet you money that when he hit that electrical panel, there was supposed to be a lot more sparking Money coming out there. Because yeah, that's a good point. There's not but really, yeah. it, it doesn't really happen. I think mm-hmm. I think it's supposed to be bigger there, a bigger display of electricity. Yeah, and I don't. It, I think be. there was some kind of mechanical failure there. I thought that I think that was supposed to be a bit more big, mm-hmm. you know, and it just didn't happen. Uh, but the uh, the poor shot Gotos uh, stumbles down the hall and frees uh, the two doctors. And and ask them to help me to to get to, to get Elky. They and they they run back up the hall to the to the lab. Tauchner picks up Elky to leave, and Orla rises up and shoots Goto again. Yeah, yeah. I think twice. Twice he does shoots him two more times. And at this point, just as you realize, oh crap! Boom! Yeah. <laughs> the creature breaks the door of his cell mm-hmm. and shambles out mm-hmm. into the lab. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> how this... would you describe this creature? It's, 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 it's just—it basically is just a shape of a black shape of a man. It's a black, shot, slimy, black, gooey, yeah, kind of bipedal. Yeah, yes, you'd say, yeah. shambling thing, and it heads straight for Doctor Orla like yeah. a freaking rocket. <laughs> uh, he shoots it. He yeah. shoots it until the gun's empty. <laughs> then Goto, just reacting to it, attacks the thing with a torch. Mm. And it advances toward him. By the way, it pretty much rips Orla's face off, and all that's the oh, end. Oh yeah, of, that's, that's true. That's yeah, the I end forgot. of Orla. Yeah, Orla's face is Orla's. That's pretty much the end of him. And then uh, it, it, the or, the 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 creature, the primordial, the the ancient one, whatever you mm. want to call it, and uh, Goto grapple and fall into the acid the bath. The acid bath. And uh, mm. the good docs mm. get 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 out of there, and Elki awakens to ask after Goto. Mm-hmm. They they have to tell him. What happened? I have to, I have, they have to tell her what happened, of course. And the mm. final shot is of the bubbling, bubbling acid. Bubbling acid. The hunchback the, is no more. The hunchback is no more, and neither is the shambling <laughs> thing. You're right. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people who see this film for the first time will remark how amazingly like the primordial, the uh, the uh, oily zombie in Return of the Living Dead, at the end of Return of the Living Dead, looks. Very similar design. Yes. That that kind yes, of oily, that kind of, yeah. shambling mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them are great monsters, and they do look a lot alike. They do, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, there's no way to know how you know. I mean, because there was so much great design work in Return of the Living Dead, yeah, the yeah. William Stout stuff, yeah. and that kind of thing. But it is pretty neat that that, that they do look a lot alike, yeah. and it's such a great look for a monster. You almost wonder why it hasn't been done more frequently. I know, I know because it's one of those things. It's probably not. An, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's not a maybe an expensive or elaborate effect, but it's very. It works very well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a very effective looking creature, and it, it's one of those again, especially for the short amount of time it really is on the screen. I mean, it was held back long enough that you know it's like it, it might not have held up of our whole film about it, but just being in those few minutes there, yeah, really is effective and. Uh, um, I love, uh, I want to say something about, uh, 
I think it's very powerful ending there, where Elkie, where she does become conscious, and what she says is, "Where's Goto?" Because it may, it kind of calls back to, makes me think of the scene where they right before they make love, uh, he he makes the comment when she tells him that he shouldn't be there because she's worried about him because the police are looking for him, and he says. He says, that can't be. Nobody's ever been interested in me. I mean, he really doesn't believe even after oh, all I he's know, done. Know, and, and it says so much about his personality and his view of himself. And I think it actually makes, I don't know, you can't call it a happy ending by any means, but I think it almost gives a little bit of a, yeah, I can't even say positive, but there's something interesting in the fact that she, the first thing she says is, where's Goto in the sense that somebody's going to remember him. And I think that's kind of powerful, you know, considering all yeah. the other shit of his life and everything in the end he's come to and how he thought about himself. I think it's kind of neat that they show that the first, her first thoughts are of him, and, and he would have never believed that, but that somebody's actually, as he would say, you know, interested in him, somebody's actually going to, to remember him, you know, and yeah. I think that that's actually kind of a real powerful ending there, you know, it's, 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 it's very well done. I, I love the ending, and of course I love the film. I do too. Um, we, we, as we went through, I pointed out a couple of little plot problems, yeah. mm-hmm. but those, those do not hinder this film in my estimation. No, this no. is, this is a hell of a movie, and it's one of, yeah. I really do think it's one of Nashi's best. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he does such a fantastic job, not just not just a, a great idea for it and a good script, but his performance is obviously fantastic. I think he has He's a great. really good cast around him in this film. These actors really do a mm. good job ac- across the board. They really do. Well, and, and in, in his right in his writing about it, he sounds very proud of it. Uh, I mean, he it's, should it's, be it's, proud. It's, of it. Yeah, and it's great too. It's nice to see him be able to write about a positive filming experience and and that he had. And of course. In terms of, I know Werewolf Shadow may have been more of a bigger hit internationally, but uh, this, in terms of, I think, awards or recognition for his acting skills, is probably one of the peaks of his career as far as the actual, yeah. you know, I know he won a couple of awards for it, and the film was recognized about in some film festivals, uh, got got uh, high praise. Of course, he talks about uh, where he was given the acting award, being correct, congratulated by Peter Cushing, which and uh, yeah. and he got to meet Terrence Fish, Fisher and Peter Cushing, and Terrence Fisher was interested in working with him in a version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and then Terrence Fisher died, you know, in another one of many instances in in Nash's career where things had looked promising and then bad luck kind of struck, but I know he was really, really very pleased by the fact that Peter Cushing sought him out and to congratulate him. I was, I was, I was very happy to know that the two of them met and got along so well. Yeah. I also found it amusing that once again we have yet another person reporting that having met Christopher Lee that he's essentially unapproachable. <laughs> yeah, not the warmest guy in the world. Yeah, he uses the phrase he uses the word cold, which yeah. is pretty much the standard response is, everybody yeah. gets. Uh, I also love him telling the story of how, of, of when he met uh, Karloff when they did that when they worked on that episode yeah, of I Spy. That is a wonderful story. Uh, and he, he had nothing but good things to say about Karloff. Apparently, he got to talk to Karloff for a good long period of time. But then mm. everybody has good things to say about. That's Karloff. true. He, he was, was hard to find. Yeah, <laughs> hard to find many people that had bad things to say about him or Peter Cushing. But well, the uh, the thing I, I apparently also had a good, a really good experience in that whole I Spy thing because he talks he talks about Robert Culp and, and Bill Cosby. That's right. So. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, one of the things that uh, struck me is there's uh, when you start talking about the whole Lovecraftian influence, we, we mentioned Reanimator. There's some interesting parallels between the story of Reanimator and Hunchback of the Morgue mm-hmm. to the point where there are so many interesting mm-hmm. points of mm-hmm. similarity that they are, yeah. one would have to say, since we know he knew Lovecraft's yeah. stories, mm-hmm. I would think that this movie is influenced. Yeah, I really to think that that's degree. the one. Like I said, I mentioned Charles Dexter Ward to a point, but I really do believe that Herbert West Reanimator is the biggest Lovecraft influence. And again, that just shows the depth that he had read Lovecraft because that is not 
until the movie of Reanimator was made, that was not considered one of Lovecraft's either best or most famous works. I mean, it's certainly yeah. nowhere near as well known as, say, you know, Dunwich Horror or Call of Cthulhu or something like that. Uh, also, we should mention, I meant to mention that, that when, when the creature is growing in the jar, uh-huh. that that was an octopus. Yes, and it's a perfectly convincing effect. It, does, it looks great. There's a reason it looks great, because, because yeah. it's something real and organic. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And they just made, again, making use of what you could get your hands on, and it works yeah. perfectly. It truly looks like just a mass of flesh growing in this in this jar, but it's, you know, it looks so, it, it has that great realistic textural look to it, so... Uh, one of the one of the great lines that uh, Nashi has in the commentary track over this film is he describes Goto as a man who cannot live in this world. Yeah, which I thought was just a beautiful line about mm-hmm. someone who mm-hmm. really is just incapable of being what it takes to be mm-hmm. a part of a modern world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just just yeah, a great good. line. And once again, this I think this commentary track was recorded in uh, two thousand five. I'm supposing. Okay. One of the great things is right at the end of it. He's he so obviously enjoyed going through this film and having yeah. this guy, this moderator, talk with him about it and asking questions about it and, and mm. talk about a lot of different things. Yeah. And the very last thing he says is, "Thank you very much. I'm so happy." Yeah, that is nice. And that that's was nice just—I mean, it almost yeah. brought a tear to my <laughs> I know. eye. Yeah, man. it, is it really, really did really. because that's why I, when we when we talked to his son, when we talked to Sergio, and I I wanted I wanted to to ask him a little bit about how his his father finally did start to get a lot of recognition yeah. from horror fans mm-hmm. in the last few years of his life. Mm-hmm. That's that's another indicator of it. Is he's looking he's, now he's looking back at this all this work he did yeah. and these people are going to him and asking him to participate in mm-hmm. things like commentary tracks and things like this. Yeah. And it did become clear to him just how beloved these works were. Yeah. Yeah. And it just I mean that that line really did almost bring a tear to my eye. I just sat there and going, Oh, it's just yeah. Yeah, yeah of course awesome. you're of course you're happy, man, because your hard work is finally being recognized for the quality that it was. Yeah. Just really, really great stuff. It um, is. Um yeah, and and I I want to say something here too, just because if people out are listening to and you know, someone might want to call us out on the you know, looking at the film we most recently did, Fear of, Fear of the Wolfman, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of similarities in ideas behind that you can find in both films. And sure. obviously we had a lot of fun, you know, talking, uh, relating the plot points and relating the things. We had a lot of fun with this film, as we always do. We laugh about the things that are kind of outrageous there, just as oh, we did yeah. with Fear of the Wolfman. But, you know, the difference is in how you tell the story. I mean, it's not that you can you can have you can have as many elements as you want to throw into the movies. And that's one of the joys of watching these films. You know, look how many elements Tarantino throws into his films. You know, it's, it's how you hold them together. Yeah. Because some films just lose the plot. And that's what Count Dracula's Great Love did. You know, Count Dracula's Great Love, which again, that's even more important to compare it to because this film was made between... With the same filmmaker. The same filmmaker. uh, And Count Dracula's Great Love, for all of its visual beauty, is a film that lost the plot, you know, that that literally, like, you know, loses its... its, It has its... And and Fear of the Wolfman certainly is a film that does. But you you can take... There's just as many unusual and disparate and thrown-in-the-mix elements in Hunchback of the Morgue, but except for, like you said, a couple of instances... It tells the story so well, and dialogue references other bits of dialogue in the film, and things are set up well that you do with good storytelling. You know, it's like you can if you tell the story well, you can throw in as many crazy elements as you want. Fury of the Wolfman didn't tell the story well; it, it confused you every five minutes. You're like, where in the hell is this going? Even though it was great fun to watch, and you know, and, and oh, it, it can be a, it's a blast to watch. And I definitely want to fix up Doctor Orlo with the uh, the mad scientist from Fury of the Wolfman. I think that would make a hell of <laughs> a, a hell, hell of a couple. Of a couple. But you even have some of those same ideas about you know them both saying it's all for science. You know, even down to oh, those yeah. basic ideas, 
But once again, the films are like are, are two totally different things in terms of, of how they held together and how they were presented. It's very true. I, I, the thing is, the film that I kept thinking of while going through Hunchback of the Morgue this time around mm-hmm. was was Horror Rises from the Tomb. And the reason I kept thinking about it was because both of them seem to be kitchen sink movies where there are just so yeah, sir, many sure, different sure. things tossed into yeah. the pot. Yeah. And uh, it's almost like he's making a mad stew. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it works because yeah. sometimes it, it works well, and sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. It's always a different flavor. And you can never really tell because it's just a, depends on what you throw in yeah. there and in what quantity. Mm-hmm. And in Fury, at least one element of that stew was off and it was the director. And yeah. it just kind of throws everything else off. It doesn't taste quite and, right. And, 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 and if you believe the reports, one ingredient was thrown in that shouldn't have been, which was his 14-year-old nephew who apparently was a, who was allowed to work on the script. If yeah, that's no true kidding. if that's true or not, we'll never know. But if that's We'll case, never know, but that's still hysterical. It. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but at any rate, mm. Har, in, in Horror Rises, he throws in all this crazy stuff that really yeah. shouldn't bump up against... They shouldn't bump up against each other and work, and yet somehow it does. Right. The same here. We're not even shown Dr. Orla, our mad scientist character, until we're well past the 30-minute mark in this damn movie. Yeah, yeah. Now, he's mentioned yeah. and then brought in, mm. and then the whole plot line of this yeah. whole primordial slash ancient yeah. one gets dropped into your lap, and you're just sitting there going... This this well, that's like forty five minutes into the movie. And the first time you meet, the first time we see Doctor Orla, he's breaking up. He's basically him and Doctor Tochner are, are running off the people who are tormenting. Yeah. So again, our first impression, our first scene of him, actually sets him up to be a one good of the guy. good guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a it's it's a it's a hell of a film and, and one that like I say, it's one of my favorite Nashy films. I, I would agree. I would definitely put it up in in one of the the higher register of his his films. I just thought it was terrific and. Uh, um, I also, uh, just to make sure we, because I want to make sure we mention it, it might have been your notes too, but the great, the really interesting little tidbit about uh, the fact that, uh, you know, they used, that was a real morgue that they filmed in, and the guy yeah. who ran the morgue was apparently a real piece of work himself. He, oh, I think, yeah, had been, he, I forgot about that. He had been suspected of, of, of necrophilia with some of the bodies in there, and also he uh, had been burned, uh, he, had, he had been burned, uh, I think, by acid before, so he had acid burns on him, and so Nashi says he actually was the inspiration for the Howard Vernon character in Howl of the Devil. So I thought yeah. that was kind of a neat yeah. uh, little, little little tidbit there. So lots of lots of interesting stuff. Like I say, it's one of those it's one of those things where every time I hear one of uh, or I guess I should say read one yeah. of <laughs> one of Nash's commentary tracks because yeah. he's never done one in English. He never he never did one in English, of course. But every time I go through one of his commentary tracks, mm-hmm. I wish he I, I, I like oh I wish he'd done one for Avengers of the Mummy. Oh, I wish he'd done one for the, you know. I wish he'd done one for. Well, this. it's like I we talked he... about. If we had just started this podcast like three or four years ago, we might have been able to have sent him some questions that he could have answered a few questions for each. Wouldn't that have been awesome? You know, but uh, man, I, I if I have like any normal human, lots of regrets in life, yeah. and I got to tell you the fact that the <laughs> that idea, there, yeah. yeah, the fact that I didn't get the idea for this yeah. show yeah. until after he passed away mm-hmm. is one of the big regrets yeah. I have. I have, yeah. to, I have to say, man, yeah. uh, but. Hunchback of the Morgue, major thumbs up. Yes, great film. Love this movie. Just, just a heck of a film. Any, any way you can get a chance to see this thing, mm-hmm. uh, it should be rentable through Netflix. I'm yeah, I would sure. imagine. Yeah, check it out. It's such a great movie. Of course, if you're getting to this point, surely you've already seen it because we just slaughtered this thing and spoiled <laughs> the crap out of it. So, uh, Hunchback and, of the Morgue, yes. major thumbs up. Yes, and now we're going to take a break, and uh, we're going to come back and read some of your mail, and then we're going to tell you the next film we're going to butcher. <laughs> back in a flash. Enjoy your evening to the fullest. How about some snowy, crisp, and crunchy popcorn? 
That's a fine way to relax. Just sit and munch contentedly while you enjoy the show. Bring enough popcorn back for the whole family. Everyone likes popcorn. And now mom and dad want a cup of good, satisfying coffee. That's the kind we serve, full of flavor and satisfaction. Letters. We get letters. We do. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't really thought about how I was going to do that, but yes, letters. First of all, uh, we will we'll cover a couple of letters each time uh, we do this, and so out of the mailbag, we have a, another note from Brad. Uh, he says, I watched Mark of the Wolfman, Fury of the Wolfman, Night of the Werewolf, and Werewolf Shadow the other day. Now, just as a side note, Mar- <laughs> Brad, tell me, if you watched all of those in one day, your brains surely oozed out of your skull. Uh, back to his letter. I wanted to see Night of the Werewolf again right before I watched Werewolf Shadow. I always forget how much I enjoy Mark. Fury makes no sense. (laughs) And Night is just awesome as always. Then I watched Werewolf Shadow. Wow. It was a total revelation, especially over my Werewolf vs. the Vampire Woman copy. While ultimately I agree with Rod that it isn't as strong as Horror Rises, it is a very special film. The next day I wrote Richard. uh, Richard's a friend of his. Mm Mm-hmm. An email detailing my thoughts on Shadow, Werewolf Women vs. the Vampire Women, and Night. He said I could expand it and put it on doomedmoviethon.com, and I might do that. He's been nice enough to put a peace of mind on there and allowed me to participate in one of his doomed discussion thons. I like that. Doomed discussion thons. That sounds great. I'm going to have to look and see what this is. I came to the point where, of all the Daninskys I have seen, Shadow is my favorite, which is no mean feat as I I love Night of the Werewolf. I still have managed to not see Dr. Jekyll and the Werewolf, but the temptation is strong, especially as it ranked higher in both of your Looking Forward slash Back point five podcast than Shadow did. Now, I would just like to say that, yeah, it did. I, I ranked that film a little higher than Werewolf Shadow. Just a little bit higher. Well, Dr. Jekyll and the Werewolf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think yeah. It, I think it's a little bit better. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of taste. You yeah. may not, you're, you're, well, you're, your mileage may vary. And it's going to be very easy. He brings up some of its... Really going to be interesting when we finally do Night of the Werewolf uh, to see how we compare that to Werewolf Shadow since it's technically a remake. Yeah. Uh, but watching Night of the Werewolf not too long ago, it's an awfully strong film too, and it's going to be really interesting to see where how those two compare. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to, to see where we fall on those two films because they're both really good. Uh, back to Brad's letter. Uh, you fellows made much more sense of Fury than I did. <laughs> I, I asked my wife Elizabeth, am I on drugs? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty much the same the second time we watched it. I suspect my copy has even less than your English dub. That or I zoned out when I watched it. Both times. <laughs> a guy on IMDb said it was a surrealist masterpiece on the order of Bunel. Yeah, no. I don't know about that, but yeah. the bones and some flesh of a much better film is there. Mm. All this and I will still order the bootleg. <laughs> Speaking of bootlegs, it was crazy to hear Rod mention the corruption of Chris Miller. That is also in my Nashy bootleg birthday extravaganza. Wow. I have demanded a Valdemar Daninsky cake, a homemade sweater with Alaric DeMarnak's face on it, and I'm trying to get my brother to play the Wolfman. <laughs> hey, if this stuff happens, uh, I really hope he'll send us some uh, some some photos from the, you know, take some photos of all this. I want to see this uh, Valdemar cake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, now I know I made a good choice in ordering the corruption of Chris Miller. I also enjoyed Rod's post on Giallo's. That's over on the blog, of course. Mm. I went giallo crazy a few years ago, and that is how I met Richard over at Doomed Movieathon. Cool. He is very knowledgeable. 
Well, I see that I've gone on and on as usual. I don't want to take up any more of your time, and I just realized I stopped listening to Fury before I heard what was next. Excellent job sorting out the sweet mess that is Fury the Wolfman. <laughs> I look forward to Elizabeth hearing it. You guys are the best, and when I get a chance, Troy, I am definitely checking out the Secret Commonwealth. Thanks for reading my email. Hey, he thanked us. Brad, crazed Nashy fan north of the border. Cool. Uh, and a P.S. he added later on. Oh, and I have a Charlie Chan obsession as well. Oh, uh, that's right. That's, because, that's yeah. directed at me. I, uh, <laughs> I made note in my uh, blog post on the joy of Giallo about how I got into Giallo by way of loving Hitchcock movies and then getting obsessed with the Charlie Chan murder yeah, mystery nice. stories and films of the 30s and 40s. And uh, for me, it was just a progression from one mm. to the other. I kind of worked from Hitchcock backwards into the Charlie Chan stuff and then <laughs> lapsed straight over into uh, the um, the Giallo stuff. Of course, I would say flat out, as I, as I said in the post, that there's nothing that that people do in those people did in those giallo films in the 70s that Hitchcock wouldn't have given his left arm to do mm-hmm. in any of the the murder sure. mystery films he made in the 50s and 60s. Uh and as a matter of fact, I would put his film Frenzy, his only R-rated film by the way. I would put that in the giallo category. Frenzy by Hitchcock is definitely a giallo. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't I get talked about a lot because right. because of well it's Alfred Hitchcock of course. Right. But Frenzy, if you've never seen Frenzy, yeah. The connection between food and death yeah. in that movie is amazing. Well, anyway, Frenzy's a hell of a movie. Cool. Well, yeah, we're. Um, I've not had a chance to check out the Doomed Movie Thon yet. I love that name. It sounds like a very cool site, and it's cool that he came to it. First, got into your blog, the Bloody Pit of Rod, and then from there led him to seeking out these other sites here. So uh, it's all very cool to see how the community ties together there. And uh, I think I do prefer in describing Fear of the Wolf Man. I think I do prefer sweet mess to surrealist masterpiece i think uh <laughs> yeah but you know it, it it is it is you know it's it's always endearing i mean it's it's always you know i respect anybody wanting to defend any film i mean I oh, think yeah, there, were, there were a couple of people who thought we were a little out of line with uh um fury, fury. fear that we're a little hard on it and it's like you know hey the lord knows i've plenty of times defended films in my life that uh that i felt myself kind of alone in that category so it's like <laughs> hey you know go for it I, I don't i'm not ready to call it a, a surrealist masterpiece but if you want to then <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm sore I'm sore more along the lines with Brad is that I you know I I, I did it was it did, was like something of a bad acid trip to watch that film but anyway I'm going to read now something from uh, this is from Tom he addresses it as Doctor Jekyll and the Wolf to Doctor Jekyll and the Wolfman so which, which begs the question who is which is which is who's which the Wolfman which who's Doctor Jekyll and who's the Wolfman yeah well, I'm, now, I'm hairier on my head but you're hairier on your body right so it's it's like yeah it's, 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 I'm it's, definitely a, I'm definitely a hairy bastard so. <laughs> I don't know though. I mean, because I have I have short hair, and your hair is a hell of a lot longer and bushier than mine. That's true. <clears throat> Tom, we need to know which, yeah, of, which us of us is which. <laughs> if, it's, if you're going to address it to Doctor Jekyll and the Wolfman, we need to know who's who. Yeah. All right. And here's what Tom says. He says, "I just finished Fury of the Wolfman before you guys posted the podcast." I was eagerly awaiting your thoughts on it. Man, oh man, is that a mess of a movie. <laughs> it is such a crazy mixed bag of ideas. It is, it's so bad it had such, or it's too bad it had such a troubled production and a piss poor director because it might have been so crazy it's good and just playing, instead of just playing crazy. It had such a cheap look to it. I know most, if not all, of Nash's films had small budgets, but this film has such a poverty row feel. I wouldn't be surprised if someone told me the director's name was just an alias and the film was actually directed by Coleman Francis, uh, as in Beast of Yucca Flats and Skydivers director Coleman Francis. 
it says, or Harold P. Warren. Uh, oh, God, as in the infamous Mano's Hands of Fate. Now, wow. Oh, God, now, I, I don't think I can throw any film under the bus so much as to call, <laughs> no, it, I can't either. As to call it a Mano's Hands of Fate. Oh, and, uh, and, God. and I don't think, yeah, hopefully we will not come across any film in our, our journeys here that will that equal that one. <laughs> I mean, there, there's inept filmmaking, and then there's Mano's, which is a layer beyond that. Yeah. So. I almost feel like I should cue up the theme music at this point, but I guess they like like on the B-movie cast. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, not going to play the Mano's. Manos music. I'm not going to do it. Oh, gosh. Uh, okay, it says, uh, there is a very man- Manosian feel to this movie. It says, uh, I don't hate this film by any stretch, but it's definitely the weakest. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute. Manosian. Manosian. I think, he's, I think we've come up with a new, yeah, he's... <laughs> I think we can add oh, that too. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, man, oh. Manosian Phil. That's going to be a new, it'll be in the dictionary. <laughs> <that is. laughs> it's just, it's okay, uh, Nashy Musk. Nash, we've had Nashy Musk. A Manosian Phil. Manosian, Manosian. We're developing our own freaking dictionary of <laughs> phrases and words. Oh, God. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Go back, no, no, go cool. back, says, go back says, to Tom's email. He says, I don't hate this film by any stretch, but it's definitely the weakest of his films so far. Now he says, I've yet to see Crimson, so... You know, uh, so. We keep in mind that Crimson is not his film. He just started. That's it. true. He didn't write it. We so. can't really blame. Yeah, he spends yeah. He, he, he half the film. He's he's comatose anyway. You know, so you can't really blame him. Now it says, "All right, I'm glad to hear you guys are still going strong after one year of Nashi casting. I look forward to many more. I'm very excited to hear you guys will be discussing. I hate my body. You guys have talked about it so much. It definitely has achieved must see status. Sadly, it is very hard to find. Yes, that is. Yes, true. it is. Uh, like I said, I think I think I'm not even sure the modern world is ready for it yet. That may be why it's not seen any kind of release. Uh, True. But it says I've seen most of the films you guys have podcasted about, with the exception of Crimson, Night of the Howling Beast, Howl of the Devil, and Vengeance of the Mummy. So I thought I'd share my top nine out of the 14 list of Nashi films done so far. Oh, okay, this is cool. Yeah. So starting from the bottom of the top, is number nine is Fury of the Wolfman. Okay. Number eight, Count Dracula's Great Love. Agreed. Number seven, Panic Beats. I think we ranked Panic Beats a bit we, higher. I think than we that. probably ranked. I know. A little I, higher I think. Than I, yeah, I ranked yeah. it. Um, Dr. Jekyll and the Wolfman uh, I think we ranked ours a little higher than that he's got yeah. it at 6 uh, number 5 Frankenstein's Bloody Terror number 4 Werewolf Shadow number 3 Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll yeah. and number 2 he's got Inquisition so he really really liked Inquisition yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, number 1 Horror Rises from the Tomb uh, still the champ and holding strong uh, he says I almost put Inquisition at number 1 I love that movie so much it is one of Nash's finest films agreed, uh, agreed. yeah and his, and his you know directorial debut what a debut says, but good old horror rises is very hard to top. Yes, it is. And he says, anywho, I eagerly await your next podcast. Have a great day. Oh, by the way, thank you both for friending me on Facebook recently. Yes, we are on Facebook, and we've still not created that Facebook page. We've sworn <laughs> we, we, we will someday create oh, our Facebook page. Oh, we've got to do that, yeah. Uh, but we are individually on Facebook, Rod Barnett and Troy Gwynn. You can find us there. there. You can says, locate us there. says, I, I now can say I have celebrities on my friends list. <laughs> oh, God, man. No, now, we, are, we are not celebrities. Oh, uh, no. It's like, uh, you know... Don't let our egos grow beyond what you know. How that thing grew in that jar until it finally like just shattered the jar. And uh, this movie, Hunchback of the Morgue, yeah, we don't want our egos to do that. And, and I don't need anything to remind me of something that sounds like a frat boy vomiting. <laughs> Uh, he's his great great tagger. He says, "Till next time, watch out for those pesky human zebras." <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, God, yes, definitely. that was another one we've come up with. Yeah, human zebras. Oh, the human zebras. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. you take another mail here. Okay, well, one more one more email before we get we're, we're out of here. Uh, this one's from Mark. Uh, he says, "Congratulations on a year of Nashicast. Hope you don't plan on stopping anytime soon. I'd miss my monthly fix." 
I can't give you a full 12 film list of the films you've covered as I haven't seen them all and some I haven't seen for years, but I can certainly give you an ever-fluctuating top five. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's here's his top five. Mm -hmm. Number five, Dr. Jekyll and the Wolfman. Cool. Four, Panic Beats. Mm -hmm. Three, Werewolf Shadow. Mm -hmm. Two, Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. And number one, of course, R Rises from the Tomb. Yeah. Not a big surprise there. Well, I think we're I think we're yeah we're starting to see the you know horror rises, blue eyes, and werewolf shadow are, are definitely dominating the top five. Sorry, Rod, I don't know. Vengeance, Vengeance of the Mummy is not turning. Well, see, that's the just it. I will, much, I will say this: he apparently hasn't. Neither of our last two guys that's true had seen Vengeance. Neither of the neither Tom or Mark have seen Vengeance of the Mummy. <laughs> so they may it may it may make a it may start making a comeback here. You know, it's a, I'll once, tell once you, start to do it. I I was so blown away by Vengeance of the Mummy, mm-hmm. I could not believe how good it is. And even you, you it's mummy, good film. You mummy hating bastard, have to admit <laughs> it's a hell of a movie. I agree. So. It's like I like I said before. I'll say it many times. It is next to the Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, Dracula. It is the best. The it best is the best Dracula. Movie. to me, mummy film. It is the best mummy film next to the Hammer. Oh yeah. One, so yeah. It, it's it's fantastic. Oh, back 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 to Mark's email. Funny enough, I only really got into Horror Rises since seeing the wonderful BCI version. I had it on one of those four-film Brentwood sets, yeah. and it barely registered the first time I watched bet. it. That's not a big shock. No. He says, uh, Oh, and don't be too down about not being able to watch Deep Red in the U.S. The U.K. Blue, Blu-ray was a bit of a disappointment, as was Arrow's Bay of Blood. Damn. That's, that's, that's what I've heard. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That Apparently, uh, I will say this. I got my hands on Arrow's uh, blu-ray of city of the living dead the fulci film yeah because of all the extras on it right but the print of the film sucks Damn. it's I mean, it's really not great with so i'm gonna get the apparently the, the blue underground blu-ray looks infinitely better wow so yeah, that is a shame that is a real shame because you saw the list of things are going to release and you're like holy shit this is looks great. i i'm not going to be picking up any more arrow blu-rays the reviews on the the prints of the films and the, and the transfers mm-hmm. they they don't they apparently the remastering jobs is just not that great. We should at least pick up Aliens Two just to see what the hell it is. Well, now, Alien Two a, is 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 a Region One disc. That's a oh, okay. That's a Alien Two Solitaire. That's a that's a Region. But 1 that is Arrow putting that out, I think. No, 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 it's not. not that no, no, that. that's that's a brand new company called uh, oh, oh, Midnight Something. Okay, okay. So they should be someone to watch then. They may have a. Good oh yeah, yeah. This thing. is this is their first release. Okay, cool, uh, that's cool. not an, that's not an Arrow video. Okay, thing. okay. And I will be picking up that crazed film. Talk yeah, about talk, sounds... talk about joyous bootleg days. Alien. Two, aka Su- Alien Suaterra. That sounds uh, like that's gonna be a fun one. I, I've seen it. I've watched it. I oh, you have watched it already. Oh, oh God, I've oh, got okay. it on bootleg. Okay, okay. I've had a bootleg of that damn thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's completely insane, and I love it. And once again, you get to see future director Michel Sovai, uh, you know, yeah. being killed hideously. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite Italian directors of the late eighties and early nineties. Yes, <laughs> well, you know, he's, oh, I love watching crap like that. Yeah. Alien 2, it's such a horrible film. <laughs> but I love it. Is it as big a classic as Contamination? Honestly, dude, it's close. Mm. Wow. Contamination. Cool. Cozy, uh, Luigi, Luigi Cozy's Contamination is blissfully insane. It is. It's so entertaining. <laughs> um, Alien 2 may be close. Cool. Probably not as fun as Contamination. Cool. Uh, I'm sorry, back to, back yeah. to Mark's email. Uh, and you can, oh yeah, and he says, and you can have your region-coded middle finger right back at you. <laughs> Vampire Circus won't play on UK machines, oh, and I would love that one on Blu-ray. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, Mark, but if you buy the Vampire Circus Blu-ray, it also comes packaged with 
the DVD of the same of, of the film. So you get both the DVD and the Blu-ray. So even if right now you can't get a, a Blu-ray player that'll play the Blu-ray, you can still see the 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 wonderful transfer of it and all the extras on the DVD. So that one's actually worth getting for you because you can see it right now, and in the future you'll have the option when you can get your hands on an all-region Blu-ray player. Yeah. Of watching it on Blu-ray as well, so or you can just have me email you every day and just tell you what a beautiful, beautiful Blu-ray it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you! Yeah, you're, mean, being, you're being I mean, you're being mean to our I listeners. Am, I know. Sorry you about that. Do that. I'm sorry. Our listeners are they're, they're our life's blood. Man. I'm chastised. That. I they, must provide nourishment for the primordial. <laughs> exactly. They are the primordial, <laughs> yeah. and you are the flesh being fed to them. So keep your fucking tongue in check. All right. All right. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. He says, all the best. P.S. I love the image for for uh, episode 12.5. What I wouldn't do to, do to own Werewolf Shadow on Super 8. Yeah, and he's referring to... He's referring to that image I found of, of apparently the box for a uh, a Super 8 millimeter version of Werewolf Shadow. Yeah. I man. guess it existed. I found that image online. Man, that's... Yeah, that's, that's something, to, something to look for. I'd like to find that, too. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty amazing. But uh, I guess that will about wrap it up. Yes. We need to let you guys know what we're doing next and mm-hmm. in what order. We're going. Our next episode will be another Beyond NashyCast show, mm-hmm. uh, one of the briefer shows where we do not go into depth and we try not to spoilerize too right. much. Right. We're going to do yet another obscure Leon Klamowski film. Yep. Uh, we're going to do Strange Loves of the Vampire, which is so obscure, neither of us, neither of us yes. had even heard of it until about right. a month and a half ago when we went hunting for... Well, I guess I did one of my periodic searches for mm. obscure Spanish yeah. horror films and found this one. Yeah. We have a real... The only version we can find of it looks pretty god-awful, i got to admit. I've watched the first few minutes and it looks... it looks. We're talking about quality of the film. As yeah, yeah. As, but yeah. I, I'm talking about the print quality. Print quality. Not, neither of us have even watched no, the film no. yet. Um, but it's a Klamowski. It's a horror film. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about it. Really so uh, about it. if you can, in some way, shape, or form, find you a copy of... The Strange Loves of the Vampire. Mm. Track it down. We're going to do a brief Beyond Nashy cast or Beyond Nashy podcast on it next. We'll have that out in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And then our our next regular episode, episode 15 of the Nashy cast, mm. will focus on an obscure Nashy film. Mm. Uh, we've been we've been being nice yeah. <laughs> the past couple episodes. These have been easy to follow along with. You can get your hands on Fury of the Wolfman pretty easy. Mm. Blue Eyes the Broken Doll pretty easy. Hunchback, Hunchback. of the Morgue pretty easy. Now we're going to make you work a little bit. Yeah, this one's more difficult. We're going to cover one that, it's yet another film, that neither of us have watched. Right, yet. never seen before. We're going to cover El Caminate. Yeah. Uh, a version, uh, well, it's a film that we're not even, I don't even think there was an English dub for it. I don't think it got imported over here to the States at no, all. No, but it, it's reputation's pretty good. I mean, we've known yeah. people, so we've, we've heard people say it's, it's their, you know, one of their very favorite Nashi yeah. films. It is one he directed. Yeah. It's a very highly praised film. He wrote and directed it as well as starred. It's, it's reputations really, really good, which is yeah. why we've decided to kind of go ahead and jump in both. Mm-hmm. Both of us want to try this one out because it is. it sounds very intriguing. It does. But we will be covering that one in depth for episode 15. So mm-hmm. uh, look for that in about a month. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, that closes this episode yeah. out. Yes, yes. Uh, keep uh, uh, sending e- emails to nashicast.com and uh, keep going and reading Nash- it. Nashicast at gmail.com. Di- gmail.com, thank you. Uh, keep going and reading uh, uh, Rod's uh, great blog, The Bloody Pit of Rod. 
or just looking at the pretty images I post. Yes, he does. I have recently been kind of obsessed with uh, the women that turned me into a man when I was a boy, Mm -hmm. which would be which would be uh, (laughs) Uh uh, the women of television and the the '60s TV reruns. I've been well. Yeah, I'm sorry. Now I'm thinking about Elizabeth Montgomery again and watching her. Barbara Eden, nose. yeah. Oh, yeah. Barbara Eden. Uh, I did Julie Newmar recently. Oh, did you? Oh, cool. Yeah. Of course, that was probably the wrong phrase to use. I did Julie Newmar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. If you did, I'd, I suspect there'd be nothing left of you had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> My head would just explode. What a way to go, but uh, yeah. Uh, soon, soon up, I shall attack the bad girl area. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, well, Yvonne Craig, I get you. Mm. Come on. Mm. All right, folks, uh, we'll see you next time here in a couple yes. of weeks. Uh, Strange Loves of the Vampire and El Caminante. Yes. Thank you, and uh, go watch some Spanish horror. I'm Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. We'll see you later.